Yes, and that definitely looks like me sitting on a couch on a Sunday morning watching uh, Premier League. Yes, welcome to episode 43 of the Music Relish Show. Yes. I'm Mark, and going from left to right on my monitor, it's Lou and Perry. How you guys doing? All right. Doing all right. How you doing? Doing all right? I'm doing great. 43 big ones. Yeah. 43 big ones. (laughs) Let's <laughs> just do a blue collar talk tonight. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I gotta go get me a brewski. <laughs> I got a brewski right here. I got a screw I'm top sad. wine. Does that make me blue collar? There you go. I'm, I'm sitting yeah. on my porn. Yep. I'm on my porn couch. <laughs> if it doesn't have a cork, yeah, it's blue collar. Yeah, yeah. and and Lou, you covered your couch, so I want to wine. That looks like you, looks you like a uh, looks like a Seattle couch. Like a uh, what was that? What was that movement called? The grunge, grunge. It's a grunge couch. It's a grunge couch. <laughs> Singles. Uh, Scott McLean says it looks like I'm in a hostel in Europe somewhere. Um, the reason <laughs> I, I, I like to cover because you know it's comfortable. Also, um, uh, they were calling up my porn couch on milk crates and turntables, and then when I I YouTube porn couches, the couch I'm on came up. So I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> It's, it's a, Mark, it's a, Mark, you you know that you said it it's like the a kind of couch, couch like you know through the years. If I went to a recording studio or I went to a rehearsal studio, you had the waiting yeah. area. You would yeah. sit on one of those couches. You kind of keep like your a butt recording off the couch, studio you know? lounge couch. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's, yeah, it, it's a wraparound, and either side on the the extreme sides each have a uh, recliner. So this is why I end up sleeping most nights. Because so. <laughs> once I lay back in that thing, it's game over. Well, what I was saying is when you used to sit on those couches in the waiting area, you'd always say, mental note to self, throw these clothes out when I get home, you know? <laughs> I, I can't have a recliner. If I have a recliner, I'm out in five minutes. Me too. I'm a recliner, man. I'm what out. Do I, do? I end up pouring my brewski in my lap. <laughs> I've done it with the wine. It's not good. Was that a Schlitz? <laughs> you know me. You know me. Note to all you young listeners out there. Depending on the amount of drinking you do, either when you hit PBR. 40 or 50. I made it to 50, but you will fall asleep. Not passing out. Just fall asleep with a drink in your hand. It happens. <laughs> yes, you will. It's if you piss your pants. That's when you really want to really kind of like maybe work on things. But I've, Or your, you know. your friends intervene. That kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Yep. <laughs> anyway. So we got a good show tonight. We, uh, we've yeah. got, we're going to talk about Al Stewart. We're going to show a video. And we're going to talk about... Sears silver tone guitars. Lou's got a little thing on that, and uh, we got, of course, at the uh, as always, we got ran- random relish, and we're going to have some trivia from Perry, and he's going to stump us. It's going to be great. I love the trivia. Mm-hmm. We'll see about that. We'll see. All right. Yeah, I wanted to open see. up though. I wanted to open up the show with um, you know, closing of a club that it means a lot to me. Uh, it's the Chance in Poughkeepsie. I just received word mm-hmm. this week that it was closing. I don't normally care if a club closes, but when the Ritz closed, it bummed me out. And same with the Chance. Uh, just a little background for me. When I was in high school, junior year, I discovered Zebra. I'm not, that's the one time I'm going to mention them tonight. And junior and senior year, I played that first album, learned every lick, every chord, everything on it. Year after we graduated high school, you still keep in touch with your friends. And a bunch of us, you know, someone found out they were playing at the Chance. Never heard of it. I thought it was a cool name. So we got tickets. And where, where, we is drove... the, where is the chance, Mark? Poughkeepsie, New York. Poughkeepsie. Upstate well, New York. Now, is it a club or is it a theater? Well, I'll get to that in a second. So we got my 79 Buick Skylark, went up there, right? Found the place. Mm-hmm. Poughkeepsie is not an easy city to navigate. And this was before mm-hmm. Waze and all that. We found it. I fell in love with the place. The show was top 10 show of my life. It was packed. But... It's dirty. It's grungy. 
floor the, the carpet is sticky it's there's old car- there's carpet it's that industrial carpeting the industrial you know okay. so if you fall you stand a chance of not whacking your head out it um, will burn you if in the beginning they would give you beer on tap it the glasses were even my by my standards i didn't want to use the glasses so i went to bottle beer but let me tell you it had character and it turned out to be my favorite club of all time so just a little background on the club. Actually, it was built in 1912. That's how old the thing is. And it was wow. a vaudeville and a silent film theater until about 1945. Um, of course, in the 40s, they started showing regular movies. But that's how it was, you know, especially in the 20s, vaudeville was big. Mm-hmm. Um, then from the years 1945 to 1970, it was just a storage facility sitting there gathering mm-hmm. dust. In 1970, it was bought, and it was opened as the Last Chance Saloon. They operated from 1970 to 1977. In that time, they had bands such as The Police, The Ramones, Muddy Waters, um, among many others. A lot of Woodstock area artists played there. The band played there. Um, But this is a small place. The band after Robbie Robertson? I heard the band played there. I bet you it was after Robbie. I couldn't yeah. see them playing there in yeah. the 70s unless there was some benefit or something. Maybe, you know, something they big, just. Yeah. Yeah. Is this considered upstate New York? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Poughkeepsie, uh, you got, if you're going up, you got Newburgh is the first big city going up the Hudson. And then you got Poughkeepsie is the next one. It's on the other side. So for mm-hmm. us on this side of the Hudson, it's really far away because it's the other is, side. Isn't Poughkeepsie um, east of New Paltz? Yeah, um, it's southeast because okay. when you're going up the New York State Thruway, you got you got Newburgh, then you got the Poughkeepsie exit, then you got the New Paltz exit. Okay. So what you do is, and this is a little sidetrack here, you take the New Paltz exit, go over to Route Nine W, and go down. It's a lot easier that way. Okay. Um, but and if you if you go further north, you go to Woodstock. Yeah, you get off of Kingston, which is another yeah. city favorite of mine. Right. All these cities, by the way, in the Hudson Valley had these vaudeville houses. Most of them got torn down. So this was like a little jewel that just survived all these years. Um, like I said, it's off the main streets behind a storefront. So you don't even see it. You have to be in a, well, a cobblestone alleyway. That's where mm-hmm. the entrance is. No big street entrance, hmm. which is yeah. what I love about it. You know, um, um, what's picky? I mean, I've been, I'm familiar with that area of New York other than Warwick for a year. And I, I love that part of New York State, though. I really do. Me too. Me too. I, New, Pul- New Pulse, I have great memories of New Pulse in the fall. Oh, New Pulse um, is great. So yeah. Poughkeepsie, yeah. Is an, it's an old town. It's a city. It's an old it's a city. city. Okay. And like most Hudson cities, Hudson Valley cities, it went through years of decline because manufacturing right. left. But it's got, uh, they have a walkway over the Hudson now where you can walk into Poughkeepsie. And they've got the hmm. Little Italy. They got their own Little Italy. They got sections oh, really? of the city that huh. are dedicated to... Um, I've always had a Kingston is my favorite Hudson Valley city, but I've always okay. had an affinity for for Poughkeepsie as well. And you got the mm-hmm. Culinary Institute right above it too, you know, right. so. in Hyde Park. Um, yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, it closed in '77. Getting back to this, and then in 1980 it was bought again and it reopened. And this was from here on in. It was to me the glory days of of the club. Uh, at different chance, at different times, at the chance you had Bob Dylan played there. David Bowie did a fan club only show there. Oh. Emerson Lake and Palmer played there. I saw that show. They were they just they were touring Very with cool. Jethro Tull and they wanted to do a club show again. So they got Keith Emerson's Moog in there and they did a whole show. Uh, Judas Priest have played there. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne did a couple shows in the eighties there. Hmm. 
Rolling Stones did a warm-up show there. The Kinks have played there. Wilco, famously, I could never get tickets to see Wilco there. That was my dream to see them there. Uh, and then, you know, more modern, the Black Crows played there when they first started. Guns N' Roses played there when they Appetite for Destruction first came out. Just to give you a little idea of the size of the club, it's mm-hmm. maybe 600 people can fit in there. That's how small the club is. It's tiny. It's a theater, but oh. it's like very, it doesn't did go they, back very So far. were the seats mm-hmm. always there, or did they take the seats out to make it a club? So when I went there, there were no seats when I started going there. However, they did have, I saw Al Demiola play there, and for that show, they brought out folding seats for people that wanted to mm-hmm. sit. Later years, they had like little tables with chairs, because they realized a lot of these bands, people are in their 50s, they don't want to stand. The thing about yeah. Zebra, Zebra's thing was, you got up there like 10 o'clock at night. They didn't come on till 12 or 12.30. So you're standing really? from 10 to 12.30. Zebra would play till about 2.30. You know, it, and by yeah. the time I got in my 30s, my back was hurting. I said, I can't do this yeah. anymore. <laughs> it was really hard. Yeah. Um, probably saw Zebra. I think me and Chris were, my friend Chris Wheeler were talking. We probably saw him 25 times there. We were just going every time. You Zebra that. anymore. I did. Well, I could do it 25 <laughs> times. That would really drive you. Know? <laughs> well, that's the band you saw them there the most, right? That's the reason I started going to the Chance, and that was a second home to them. But everybody that played there it had a reputation because why did David Bowie decide to play there versus the city? Mm-hmm. Um, it yeah. just had something about it. Is, there um, something, is the acoustics good? Is the sound yes. quality? Yes, okay. and it's not. It's not made for acoustics. It's an old vaudeville hall that just so happened to have good acoustics. When you're downstairs, there's a balcony. It's kind of echoey. Um, I have a couple bootlegs from there, and I hear it. You still get a little echo, like an ambience, bouncing off all over, but it's the right amount. So I always so said was drums. It a, was it a theater, you know, with the angled floor going down? So what what they do so with when that you, when you remove all the seats? You know, you know what? I'll send you guys some images, but there's like a pit. You have to call it now a pit area, the standing area. Oh, I Then get, you go up a few steps to where the bar was. The bar is further mm-hmm. back, and it's under the balcony. We would always stand up by the bar. I didn't want to go in the pit because it would get packed, you know, and I mm-hmm. don't like that. And you can't stand like this for just for four hours waiting in a um, <laughs> boat. Uh, so we'd always, what, what our thing was, you'd find a post. You'd get there in good time, find a post or something you can lean against and own that spot. You don't move because you want to be able to <laughs> lean up something. You know? um, but in, I, in, New York, feel, in New York, can you, get, can you get two drinks at a time in New York? Because you can't do it in North that Carolina. place. I got four beers once. Right. Yeah. The best best thing was your first, ground. Yeah. Yeah. So when I first went there, it's eighteen. We couldn't drink, so we saw zebra for a few years. I remember when I turned twenty one. I'm like, guys, we got it. We got it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Bloister Colt. I forgot. I also mentioned Bloister Colt played there in the eighties. Um, oh, thinking Jeff of Beck, a glass. Jeff Lou Beck or Mark? Well. That's me. That's Lou. Jeff Beck um, played there as well. The blue oyster cult. I I have my own little chance story. You've been to the chance, almost. Oh boy, we got to hear this one. Yeah, bummer. I'll tell. You. Uh, Nineteen eighty-one. It was a fire of an unknown origin tour. I had seen them at the Capitol Theater and Madison Square Garden, so I was going for my third show with all my friends and brothers, and we got tickets for the chance, right? And I got in trouble. I was eighteen. My dad took my car keys away from me. Oh, no, I was tw- I was no, I was twenty, I was twenty and eighty one, and I said I said that, that it's my car, you can't do that. He goes, it's if my it's house. Tw- fuck you, Dad. Right? Uh, you know, I, I've had a spare. I would have stolen my own car. I was like, shit. And I said, I even told him, I said, I'm twenty years old. He goes, 
if you were living on your own, I, w- I wouldn't know. He goes, but <laughs> my house. So my house, my rules. I, yep. My house, my rules. So I did not get to go up to the chance to see Blue Oyster Cult because uh, see them at the Capitol Theater, uh, Capitol Theater and a club uh, theater show was amazing. Yeah, I'm, another, sure BOC, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that BOC. Another old show. movie house that used to be. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and a great yep. venue. Um, Albert Bouchard was not on drums, but even still, I, I I saw them twice with Rick Downey on drums. So you know. So if you had seen that show, you might have maybe would have had that connection with that place because you would. The what got yeah. me when I saw I won't say zebra. See, I'm not saying zebra. Zebra. Um, you're anywhere. right there, in a mm-hmm. way that because it's not deep you're seeing them right in front of you and the lighting was always good there. Nothing extravagant, just everything big, deep stage high. They always had mm-hmm. the curtain drawn, which mm-hmm. I love. So the band could come out and do whatever they had to do. And then they yeah, would a little the bit of drama. Open. Yeah. Oh, yeah. open up the curtain. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. So, sure. yeah. So when I, um, when I, when we got to see zebra there, we were like, do it. Me and Chris Wheeler decided to try and see all these <laughs> other shows there. So, I can't tell you. I've seen shows there. I don't remember. I just, it's Real, we're oh, in really? our 20s. I mean, we're been, in our 20s. Been there so many times. Yeah. Then Chris worked at Sam Goody, remember that place? And he would get sure. promotional tickets. So all the new hard rock acts, because they were mostly, a, it was mostly a hard rock club in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Then the last 15 that years, I won't even go near there. It was mostly hardcore and real heavy metal and okay. Cookie Monster yeah. music. And I just said something I oh, see. Mosh yeah. pits and yeah. the mosh pits and all that. Yeah. 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 Once that, yeah. Cause the hard, the hard rock stuff, heavy metal in the 80s was, that was a decade for heavy metal in a lot of ways. Yeah. So these clubs are going to book who's going to bring in the money. That's, you know what? It's hard to own. Well, a club. What do you mean by Cookie Monster? Music. It's metal, cookie. <laughs> oh, yeah. I get it. Yeah, yep. Some of those bands had good music. Once the vocals yeah. came in, I was like, Ugh, you know, that, that was but a that's... mastodon. Yeah, the, yeah. The music, I like the music. I told, I told, I said, I can't make out the, I can't handle the vocals. Yeah, yeah. yeah guttural, guttural vocals. Yeah, yeah. it's just, yeah. Um, but you know what? You can't blame them. The the club made kept going because of that. Kept the doors open, so I can't blame yeah. them. And they also survived on, they would still do special shows with large artists. Like, I remember when David Bowie. Like meatloaf? David Bowie, like big guys? Meatloaf probably played there. <laughs> I would almost guarantee it. Hmm. Yeah. Big guys. Um, David Bowie, I don't know if you remember, but he was the first one to have Heard a web-oriented uh, fan club. So he started the online. Like, you went online, you joined the fan club, he would say where he'd have a fan club only show. So I had a good friend, Carl, at CPI that, just went, he went to the Ritz to see one of his fan club shows. And I remember when Carl told me, he says, you like that chance. Uh, David Bowie's up there, but he was, Carl was from Rutherford area. And he said, I'm not going up there to bum fuck New York. You know, he, he should have went, yeah. you know, <laughs> but I have a picture. Uh, I found if you Google image, the chance you see a picture of Bowie there. And it's just, I see him on that stage. I'm That's like, cool. wow. What, that must be what, what year was that? Uh, it would have been in the nineties. It was when he was doing the fan club shows. Okay. Wow. So he had he was touring he but he stopped the big tours and he was just doing these smaller shows for a while. Mm-hmm. That's when he did Howard Stern's birthday party and he was became good friends with Howard. So he did a couple private shows for him. Sure. Um, I think he was trying to connect with his fans in a different way. You know. Right. Yeah. So. Um, so for geography's sake, you know, we're all from northern New Jersey area. How far yeah. was it to get to the chance from Hillsdale or Westwood? All right, so that was the that's the funny part. I was going to touch on that. Uh, Google no, Maps. No, so you had one of two ways to go. Since I was eighteen and I had a nineteen seventy nine Buick Skylark, 
I would just take 9W all the way up because I knew how to get to 9W from Hillsdale. You just go east. And right. I was afraid of the throughway, you know, because so we'd go up over it. Now, when you go by West Point Military Academy, it goes up. That's Storm King Highway. I don't know if you guys ever drove on that, but that's treacherous. Mm -hmm. It's windy mm -hmm. and long. Which one's that? Storm King Highway. It's where you could stop and look down on West Point. You know, yeah, like, I, I have. So we did some. So we would drive up there on foggy nights where you could barely see ahead of you. We're driving on a storm. I wasn't scared because I was young. I would never do that now. We would go up in <laughs> February, and I'm like, we all it would take is one snowstorm. We would have went off that road. I just, yeah. <laughs> you know. Then when I got a better car, you take the throughway. And so the deal with the throughway is you either get off at Newburgh, go over to 9W, but you go really long, or you go even further up to New Paltz and come down maybe two miles to the Newburgh Beacon Bridge. And that's the way, you know, we would do it. So it's it's not that it's far. It's just not direct. Like you don't go, bam, there's a little bit of fuzzy driving, you know. And Poughkeepsie, again, it's all one-way streets. You take the ones, the wrong street, you're going to go for a couple miles where you don't want to go, you know. <laughs> but um, loved it. So what do you uh, think is going to happen with this old theater? It's gonna well, be now leveled. I'm hearing. Now, well, that was the concern. So people originally thought that it was going to be levels for condos, but – a uh, investment agency is buying it and they want to gut it, which is kind of sad because it's not going to have the old theater look, but they want to still keep it as an entertainment venue, but they're broadening it. They want to bring in comedians. So I think it's going to be a modern place. Yeah, We like have Waterville seen again. historically when, we'll when venues. the asbestos, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> when, well, that's the charm of the place. Uh, you know, um, yeah. Don't go in the basement. But when, when people take the character away from a club, it usually yeah. fails. Like the Ritz I'm, became the new Ritz. Nobody, it failed. You know, it was like. That's yeah. all. I, I was at the new Ritz with, with Perry. We saw Camper Von Beethoven there. I was I never at the old one. So like all those fixtures, it was, like, was the stage and the, it was the architecture very much early 1920s on the inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. So I saw like Art Deco-ish and stuff. Hmm. And, and I just remember the bathroom. You went down the most amount of stairs I ever went. Like I'm definitely below Hudson River level going down to this bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> but it had character. It, in a weird way, the old Ritz reminded me of um, the chance. It was not pretty, but it was pretty. You know what I mean? It had that ornate architecture, yeah. but it was also old. Yeah, and it was just a big floor. And the yeah. ceiling had little mirrors, like little things, so it glistened like lights. And we saw mm -hmm. three there. Three was Emerson, Keith Emerson, Carl Palmer, and a guy named Robert Berry singing. During Carl Palmer's drum solo, one of the mirrors fell off the ceiling and scraped Tom in the chest. I'm like, and who hmm. knows, first of all, what germs you got yeah. <laughs> from that ceiling. But yeah. second of all, man, you know, you own the place now. But it was like a month mm -hmm. after that that they closed. Yeah. And I think there was structurally. But it you know, continues. I mean, these places, sometimes they close. You know, like Lou said, the Capitol Theater in Passaic, great old venue, closed. Yep. Yeah. Just, you know what happened, happened with Passaic? Yeah. What what kills these theaters is if a city goes through a resurgence and people want to live there, these theaters get torn down for condos. Right yeah. now, Poughkeepsie, mm -hmm. it's not going through that. The the areas that are being revitalized are down by the river. That's where people want a million-dollar condo. They want to live by yeah, the river. Yeah. So I don't think that'll happen. But this goes back to what we said about live music. We are getting less and less places to see live music. Yeah. So when I see the and, capital... And don't be surprised by the comedians because even there's a little theater in Washington Township in Bergen County. It's a movie theater. But ever since, I guess, the pandemic, they have, like, comedians every couple oh, of yeah. months. Like, you know, so they have to do what That's they cool. have to do oh, yeah. to bring people in. Well, my you, thing, you know? though, what I was saying, Perry, Especially is that theaters, they got they, the they place. Yeah, if they got the place and they, like, make it all sparkling new, 
it'll be a whole like live venues yeah. just have Might trouble surviving to being for, uh, yep. or it may not be you know but like the portchester capital theater i don't know if you guys have ever been there but i worry yeah. about that place closing that's a really beautiful place and you got tarrytown musical tarrytown yeah, had to go through right. a fundraising they almost closed their doors about five years ago and people contributed i did too it's like mm-hmm. you want to cool. see our bands in these theaters so we can be up close and see them close we don't want to deal with arenas. Not that our bands that we like play arenas, but you know what I mean? Like we like these uh, intimate places. So it's, yeah, it's we, definitely an into arenas and stadiums. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the Helen Hayes Theater? If you go to a club, that's a show. Yeah. 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 Right. Well, the Helen Hayes Theater closed. We had, a, um, we had a big flood. We had a freak thunderstorm years ago that flooded the first floor of the hospital out, and it all went downtown, and the Helen Hayes Theater was destroyed. They decided not to. Oh, rebuild. wow. But wow. Berg- Bergen Performing Arts Center in Englewood is still there. Mm-hmm, um, right. NJ Pack is going strong. They're doing good, which is in uh, Newark. So these places are still going. Tarrytown Music Hall, they have a lot of good shows. Mm-hmm. I just, I okay. try to go to them. I don't go, I'm going to see Yes on October 1st in Englewood. Just support these theaters. You know, it's like, yeah. just enjoy Because one day they may all be gone. We'll be like, damn, I didn't go. You know, and, and like you're saying, like, there comes a time in life. I mean, you got to admit it, you know, you, I don't want to be amongst. Five fifty thousand people. I never want to do it my, when mine's in my twenties. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah. the part I hated about the big shows. Was just I just don't like being around that many people. Um, that and Asheville the sound has, sucks. Yeah, and the sound sucks. Asheville yeah. has like the Dinah Wortham Theater, the Fine Arts Theater. Um, they're smaller, but I they're probably most. It's like Red Bank, the, uh, the Count Basie Theater. They're probably yeah. safe as long as you're in a hip town and people and you have cool shows that they can do there. Like, but and then you like you said, the key is getting the people in that will draw a crowd so yeah mm-hmm. that's like the chance realized we're going to get metal poughkeepsie has a huge metal crowd and so that's what got the people in they you gotta make mm-hmm. money you know the reason yeah. they're closing by the way is the owner died a year ago the guy that had it since the early 90s his sister took it over and two months after she took it over she died kind of kind of strange so nobody the wants curse. to take it over oh, okay yeah. so curse there's a the greed chance. factor involved yeah yeah, yeah. superstition yeah. Yeah, they're going to have a lot to you, didn't it? They, the, uh, the absolutely. You know, it, that theater, like they're going to have a few more shows into October. And I'm thinking about just going. They have a couple cover bands. Nothing serious. I won't get trampled like they have a I think they have a Led Zeppelin cover band next month. I might just go up just to go that's a, that's and say a tribute band, tribute band. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I might just go and not stay for the whole show. Just walk around. Look at the place. I'm sure a lot of people yeah. are be doing that, you know, and yeah. say my farewells. Get a shirt, get a, sh- yep. a chance shirt, you know. Mm-hmm. Although that might be sold out by then, so. But that's it. End of an era. Anyway, Bound to happen. Yep. Yep. Moving on. I missed, I missed my chance to go to the chance. Chance. Damn it. Oh, oh. Dad. I know. I'd say to you around that same time they played the Mid Hudson Civic Center, which is in Poughkeepsie. It's more of an arena, Wait, and that was recorded. Cult. Yes, and a recording from that was used on that live album. That's if you look at the credits. ETL Extraterrestrial Live. Uh, no, the one in the eighties, is that the name of it? ETL was? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think dominance and submission from that was recorded in Poughkeepsie because they, they got, they, that was a bigger place, okay. you know? Now on, on that album, I think that's one of two songs that has Albert Bouchard on drums. Yes. Uh, so Roadhouse he's playing, Blues he's playing drums, but he's not singing it. Eric Bloom sang yeah. the live one. Yeah. Ah, he goes. <laughs> Maybe Albert, he couldn't. Albert, Albert wasn't the best lead singer of the band. <laughs> Maybe he couldn't because of his state. You know, <laughs> mm, yeah, good, good point. Good point. All right, um, Perry, I understand that you have a few things that are my one of my favorite parts of this show. Trivia. What is that? 
I love trivia. trivia. Yeah, me and oh, Lou trivia. are ready to be schooled here. Let's pursue No, no, no. It's not, no. I'm not schooling anyone, man. Oh, we no, love it. No. I learned something, man. No, Come no, on. no. There's no schooling involved. By the way, it's I just, need you. Uh, I, I'm going to need you to recommend an album to me. Why? Because I love that when you used to recommend albums. I got a whole shelf of <laughs> albums you recommended to me. We, we should we should throw one back in one time. We, we can we can please yeah. stop doing album album reviews. Every couple they took, months. They took so long. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They, they, we don't even have, have to play anything. Just we we, we don't have to go song by song. Just maybe talk a bit if something gives you yeah. a buzz. Yeah. Like that Robbie Speaking Robertson of, cinematic album. Yeah. Speaking of like, buzz, um, give it a listen. I have a trivia question. Can you guys name for me at least five family bands? Not like the Partridge Family. That's a TV show. Not fictitious. Actual family bands. Okay. Uh, Staples. Hanson Brothers. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm right. That. Yep, yep. The, the Jackson Five, of course. Jackson Five. Yep. Fuck. I was thinking of the one with the album you recommended, Lou. The Brothers. Oh, the Bro- Emerson Brothers. And yeah. Donnie and Joe Emerson, Dreaming Wild. Yeah, yeah. Mark, thank well, you. Yeah. Uh, uh, listeners, Dreaming Wild, Donnie and Joe Emerson. Go to YouTube, be innocent. Uh, the Isley Brothers, yeah. Isley Brothers is a family band, yeah. See, 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 this is not me learning you anything. This is I'm writing this down too. The Isley Bros, yeah. How about can if it's just like brothers, can I say Oasis? They were like the two constants in that band, you know, but everyone else came, uh, I don't know, is that. Then you get, then you got to take out the Kinks. You can't have them. Well, you can say the the Everly Brothers too. I mean, yeah. well, they were Brothers, a duo. Absolutely. They were a duo. Oasis was a band, but is there a criteria on how many family members there has to be? More than two? No, there's think... not. For instance, here's one you guys didn't come up with yet: the Cowsills. Yeah, that's a family band. That's a family right? band. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, uh, the DeFranco family. The DeFranco family. It's got the word family in it. (laughs) (laughs) See, now, because Brothers doesn't count, I I was thinking Van Halen, I was thinking a lot of stuff. No, that's, see, that's, that's a, but that's not a family band, you know, like, you mean like a majority of the band are are related? Yes. My fifth one is Philosinium. Three, three fifths of (laughs) Philosinium were Colicchios. Yeah, the legendary. Philosinium. That's my five. How about... The Bee Gees. Yeah. They were brothers. There was only two of them, though. No, there were four. There were three point. of them. No, there, were, there were three of them. That's right. Yeah. Four. That's that's okay. Family band, the Bee Gees, right? Yeah. How about the Osmond brothers? I said that one, didn't I? No, I didn't. No, the Osmond brothers. Did you guys ever oh. see the Jackson 5 story starring the Osmond brothers? <laughs> no. <laughs> Where's this one they, they, they tried time. to get a little funky when they had a single... Back, I don't know, sixty nine or seventy. They had one bad apple. Don't spoil uh, the whole. They were trying to sell that was them fun. trying to be the Jackson Five. Yeah, piece. yeah. I'll tell you yeah. something. Those Mormons have have soul. I well, Donny Osmond, I think, was twelve <laughs> then or something. You know. Yeah. How about the Carpenters? Are they a family band? Well, no, it's like a brother two. and sister then. It's brother and sister. Yeah. Yeah. Although, right, well, 
Although um, they were one. marketed as just a two-piece band, right? So maybe Perry's got something there. Like it yeah, wasn't a big well, band. I want to go ahead. Yeah. There, were, there weren't any other constant. Well, these yeah. studio musicians were. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Hmm. I said where you said the Staples, uh, the Perry's, the the, the Evangelical, <laughs> the King family. <laughs> Are they all related? They're all like... they're probably extremely related. <laughs> Real... Talk about your genetic deficiencies. <laughs> oh, I got one. The Carter family. Yeah. June Carter. The Carter family. The yeah. Dillards. And the their Dillards. sister Rose. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, um, the Cornelius brothers and sister Rose. Yeah, yep. Um, I, I said the, the Dillards. That's why I kept saying that, Lou. I see I'm saying what? They're their sister Rose, because I knew you were going to say Cornelius brothers oh, and okay. sister Rose. That is a family band. That is a family band. Yeah. Um, Hanson. Hanson. Mark said that, yep. Oh, did they? Okay. Who's who is that band? The other one from New Jersey that had like the three brothers. Uh, one of them does the diabetes medication ads. They were oh, huge. Um, you know who? They're I'm from Wyckoff, New Jersey. Yeah. yeah. One of them's is an it? actor now. Jonas and, Brothers. Yeah, and one of them actually put out a, oh. a de- pretty decent album. <laughs> I heard it. I they're like, they're from New Jersey. Yeah. I did. Wyckoff. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So Urban how about County. this? Can you guys name some duos? That are related, yes. a la Simon and Garfunkel. That's a duo. Oh. Santo and Johnny. They were brothers. Yeah, yeah. The sleep, the sleep, uh, sleepwalk. Na, right. Na, yeah, na, yeah. Na, na, na. Yep. Well, then we got the Carpenters. We got the, Car- the Everly Brothers. Yeah. Carpal tunnel syndromes. So. Um, Chad yeah. and Jeremy. Chad and Jeremy. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, I'm drawing a blank. In summer song. And also, don't forget too. It uh, they could have like oh, Tears for Fears is a duo, right? How about you know Steve, what I mean? Even though they, Steve and Edie. Name of, what's that? Steve and Edie could pick up a check once in a while. <laughs> Steve, Edie Gourmet. Well, that's a Vegas <laughs> thing, right? <laughs> oh, is this rock and roll only? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we're uh, not doing yeah. the. Yeah. I, I, how about this? Were the, what about the Turtles? It, it was Flo well, and Eddie related in the Turtles. Uh, no, uh, we said you said duos. I mean, like related duos. Oh no, 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 no! I just meant duos. So, so in other words, those guys. You know what I mean? Like, so in other words, those two guys. Their name is on the recording contract. Yeah, I, th- I think. I think. Vor- I don't know you know, I, you Vorman know, I was, and. Uh, I was right? asking. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know who is who. Who's Flo and who's Eddie? Yeah. I, I, I know they had a, a studio band. I don't know if that was a, a band. For example, Three Dog Night was a real band. Those musicians right. were on the yeah. road and in the studio, but most people thought of the singers. Yeah. Um, are the Pet Shop Boys a duo? Pretty much, I think. I know Scott McLean mm-hmm. likes them. He talks about them frequently. Are they just the two guys, yeah. the Pet it, Shop Boys? It, well, They're marketed it, as two guys, even though they tour with a band. But you always see a yeah. picture. If you Google image yeah. Pet Shop Boys, it's two guys. Okay. Yeah. I kind of like Tears for Fears, I guess, too. Yeah. Who was the other yeah. one? You said Chan Jeremy. There was another one. Loggins like and Messina. Loggins and Messina. Yeah, that's a good one. Yep. They're related? Uh, Zager and Evans. No, but they're a duo. Log and oh, Messina. I thought we were yeah. doing related duos. I'm totally out of it. No, <laughs> I, thought, no. I thought they had to be related to, but we're, yeah. we're not. Okay. No, 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 not at all. Nope, just um, duos. The other one was family. We were talking about families back before. Going this back in time. Uh, now, yeah. Dolly Parton and what was the other guy's? What was the guy's oh, name? Oh yeah, Porter yeah. Wagner. Porter Wagner. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yep. That's why she but, wrote "I Will Always Love You" after she she got out of her contract. Right. She broke his heart. Yep. How about Johnny and June? Yeah, 
Johnny and June, uh, yeah. Johnny Car- Johnny Cash and Cash. June Carter. Carter. If you if you ask Johnny, are you a duo? He'd go, hell yeah, because that was his bedrock was June. Mm-hmm. Penn yeah. and Teller. <laughs> How about Millie Vanilli? I mean, get, give the Grammy <laughs> back, guys. Fuck Come them. on. At least they're not AI. At, at this oh, point, why not? Yeah. They were really there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I had I had one, but I lost it. I you said one. Peter and Gordon, though, right? You did yeah, say did that, right? Yep. No, I didn't. I said Chad and Jeremy. So, uh, Peter and Gordon's in there. We know oh, you just mentioned I thought that. You said that afterward. Okay. No, no. Boy, I'm drawing blanks. Yeah. Tears story of my life. <laughs> no, I'm not testing you. I'm I'm writing this shit down too because yeah, I didn't have yeah. these. Yeah. I got one. This is an obscure '80s one. David and David. Who are they? Whoa. And what was that song? Remember, "Welcome to the Boomtown." No, can you find it on your phone? <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it was it was well, David Bear David Bearwald and David something. David Bearwald <laughs> was one of the guys that was on Sheryl Crow's uh, Tuesday Night Music Club. He's one of the he's one of the songwriters that thinks she kind of shafted them. Oh yeah, I did see. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, welcome to the Boom Town. It might take a long time to find out. It's, yeah. it's... well, well, obviously yeah. there was a documentary on her, so that's why the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nomination came up because there was a doc. You know. Okay. Isn't that the song right. "Welcome to the Boom Town" where you're gonna die? Right. No, it, it, oh. it was. It was. It's a good oh, I'm song. Right? Guns and Roses. <laughs> no, okay. I had a David Bayroll solo album from the maybe early '90s. It was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So he was one of those guys in that the actual Tuesday music mm-hmm. club that yeah. they had. Yep. And she sort of went on TV and took credit for all of it because her first album took that name, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think loose quote but I mean, according to him I think they said he he said it was a more of a collaborative effort than was made apparent when she hit it. Right. But uh, well you know, hey, Cheryl Crow. Scott McLean's comments to her mouth notwithstanding. Yeah, I'm not a Cheryl Crow fan. I can't. In fact, I. Yeah. It kind of bugs yeah. me. She had three songs I really liked, and then, but if I listen to a whole album, I'm like, Ugh, you know. I like that song um, she had. I want to soak up the sun. I liked if it I makes like you happy. Song. That's a good pop song. It's a good pop song. Yeah. 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 You, you remember the song "If It Makes You Happy." That was a Can't good, good freaking song, man. Oh, I had a good Keith Richards type riff. I always liked that song. Are you strong um, enough to be my man? I'm a bim, 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 bim. She's gonna <laughs> sing like that. Like if it, I'd rather hear fucking what's her name? The uh the one from Kansas. Melissa Etheridge. Melissa Etheridge. I'd rather hear her scream on top of her lungs than Cheryl Crow. I'd rather hear Cheryl Crow scream for I'm sure you would. Oh, she's obs- <laughs> Melissa Etheridge is obsessive. Okay, I got one of the biggest duos of all time as far as records. I'll walk says. on hot coals to it? get to your window. It? Hall notes. Sorry. Ah, Hall notes. Look, look at this, yeah. Lou. There we go. Look at and, this. Hall uh, notes. I had another one and I lost it. It went out of my mind. Oh, Bell and you Evans. know who is. Uh, Bell and Sebastian. Bell and Sebastian. Scottish duo, yeah. Yep. Scottish duo. Good band. And that's someone you got me into, Perry. The I never heard of twins. <laughs> Thompson Are they twins? a duo? No, no. The, Tom- the Thompson no, twins were not. kind of a duo. It was a husband and wife, wasn't it? How about yeah. those two friggin' annoying ones from Scotland? And I will walk 500 miles. <laughs> the Proclaimers. Yes. I the can't proclaimers. stand that. <laughs> when I go, I'm going to be him going to come down to you. <laughs> Good movie though. It was when I go meet some haggis. 
Um, you know who is Mark? Duos. You know who's marketed as a duo There's originally? Songwriting was, duos. Well, the Style Council was originally marketed as a duo. It was Paul they were Weller a duo. The Style Council was a yeah. duo. You're right. Yeah. I've, I've yeah. seen some of those those pictures. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty embarrassing. Mm. Those what Style Council? Yeah. Oh yeah, they were oh. laughable. Even yeah, there, even there Paul Weller says yeah. like he goes, "I look so gay." But you, <laughs> you know what they like... say? <laughs> they said that. Yeah. Whatever his career would... like Billy Squire. Yeah, but whatever Paul wore, it would sell. Like, did you see Paul Weller's new picture? Everyone would go out and buy that shit. Right. It's yeah. crazy. It looks like a model. Yeah. 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 I got yep. another duo for you. Buckingham Knicks. Yeah, nice. Nice. Okay, they existed for a year or two, right? So They put okay. out an album well, probably yeah. on Polydor. They got an album out, so it's a yeah. duo album. Yeah, Buckingham Knicks, yep. Hamilton, Joe, Frank, and Reynolds. That's three. <laughs> <laughs> if they were all brothers, that would be cool. <laughs> I, I always said that. Dun, I've dun, told dun, you dun. this before. <clears throat> that would be a great Elvis comeback. Elvis should have sang that song. I, I always thought it was Don't Elvis. Don't pull your love out on my baby. I'm Elvis, the big white bird. That, they should have offered that to Elvis. Maybe they, maybe, maybe they turned did. It down. I don't know. Maybe he turned it down. It's like, that's a piece oh, I know of why. You know why? I'm on because the toilet. If I can't you're gonna, now. if you're gonna do a song, if you're gonna write a song and Elvis is gonna record it, you had to give up fifty percent of your publishing to Elvis and the Colonel. Wow. So that's and, what Mac Davis did within the ghetto. Yes. Uh, yep. Huh. And um, there was uh, what's his name? Jerry Reed refused. Okay. Wow. Good yeah. Yep. Um, Brooks and Dunn. Yeah. Yes. Brooks and Flats Dunn. And Scruggs Big or country duo. Yep. guys? What's that? Yeah. Flat and Scruggs. Yeah, Big belt buckles. Was, uh, Brooks and Dunn. Big belt buckles. Flat and Scruggs. Yeah. Yep. Well, weren't they known as the Big Hats? Wasn't that that era of country yeah. music? The Big Hats. Oh. <clears throat> Just a joke. Yeah. And, and, and it morphed into golf and western. <laughs> oh. You've been saying that about Jimmy Buffet. And uh, well, well, he, 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 helped, he helped spawn that, that genre. It's like the Zach Brown band. They got, they got songs called Toes in the Water. It's not country music. Interesting. No. That Zach Brown band that you said, yeah. they became like Paul Schaefer's band. Like they were the backing band for everybody there for a time. Oh, They've got immense like talent. Whatever, whatever seen award them. show there was, the Zach Brown yeah. band. Yeah, was they the got a lot of talent band. there. They, they're good musicians. Mm. Just. Can't. They're very talented, absolutely. Well, yeah. Like yeah, Mavericks, Mavericks, talented man. Right? Band, yeah, and even you know some of these country, this modern country stuff too. The guitar players are good. I mean, Brad Paisley's a great guitar player. I think he's got a little bit yeah. more going for him and integrity than some of the other shit. Yeah, well, you know what the problem is? He shit. could probably write some good songs, but the producer in Nashville just says you're going to do this because it's going to be popular, and he plays yeah. the game. But he is yeah. a fabulous. Yeah. He's a fantastic guitar player. Yeah, he is. Well, yeah, he is. and I got to yeah. tell you, I've been obsessing lately about. B benders on the guitar, you know, Clarence right. White and all that. And there's many others who, uh, there's a guy, Joe Glazer, who created a better one that is less invasive on the guitar and all that. Mm. But Brad Paisley, he plays, he's a G bender guy. Oh, wow. He plays his yeah. G spring, he plays a G bender, not a B bender. Yep. Yeah. So he, he bends his G string. <laughs> He bends his G string as opposed to <laughs> as opposed to the B string. So he pulls on the back of his underwear and goes yang yang. <laughs> I'm, I'm not commenting. Says Lou sitting on his. You don't couch. have to. I just did. <laughs> let me uh, let me get the drum the brum boom thing. <laughs> Do I have it here? It's a little late for that. Come on. Yeah, it's too timing late. is everything. Well, it's too late to turn back. You know what? Now. After the show, we're gonna think of a hundred more duos. Perry. But I think we got a good list there. That was the other. That was the other Cornish brothers and sister Rose song. 
Yeah, that was the one I didn't get, but you, you, uh, yeah. Treat her like I a believe, lady. I believe, I believe, I believe I'm falling. I, I, yeah. love, I love that song. That's a great song. So do I. Those are those radios. Those were like, that's, this is what the radio was joyful. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah you're man. Right. You know? it, was, it was early 70s, too. I mean, that you had the radio. That's we, we got too many choices now. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Being 12 or so and hearing Maggie May on the radio. And it's I, like, I, oh, this I, is just great, man. Yeah. With mandolins, you know? It's great. I, I, I never want to hear that song again, though. I, well, that's one of those that was like stairway to heaven. Like, no more, no more. You know? Yeah. You know what, though? Yeah. I think that with the radio the way it was, that's why you had some artists that were so huge. They probably wouldn't be huge these days because there's too many outlets for music. Yeah, it's true. So, yeah. like, when that year of Frampton comes alive, that's what every rock radio station played. If people had online, they may not have listened or bought it as much. Who knows? I mean, it hit big. I mean, mm -hmm. it deserved to hit big. I'm yeah. not saying that, but yeah, it's true. Yeah. We have. We have music bombarded at us. I can't keep up with it. From you know? every angle, every country. It's like online yeah. dating. You can only swipe through a thousand people a day. You know? <laughs> yeah. Nothing matters anymore. <laughs> Are you still you LinkedIn, feel, Lou? You end up feeling lonely. <laughs> Nothing no, really stuff. matters. It's Lil Lou. LinkedIn Lou. Little Lou. LinkedIn Lothario. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good list of duos. Yeah. yeah. yeah what about that was flat, cool. How about flat duo jets? Yeah, you know those are the original I guys. Are. I know exactly who they are. Those are the I original guys. <laughs> those were the original guys before the White Stripes and before the Black Keys. There you go. Black White Keys Stripes. That's a duo. The two, the, Black Keys the, the duo. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> we just and the White Stripes <laughs> and the White Stripes. But, uh, the Flat Duo Jets were the first ones with the guitar and the like. That's the Flat really? Duo Jets. Yep. Okay. And then there was yeah. me and Sot Mitter as uh, Shift. Shift was a duo. There you go. Shift. Yeah, so well, look, look, yeah. you know, you have to, we have to get Scott, uh, something to sing to let us play one of the songs on the radio show. So, I'll ask come on, it it's all good. I'll It'll ask only be up I, there I heard, for two weeks and it gets pulled. I heard their yeah. first two albums from Shift. On, one, is, one is called Holy Shift and the other one is called Eat Shift. I heard they're really hard to find. <laughs> we got to find them. Our live album is when the shift hits the fans. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, that's like the one with uh, Greg Kin, you know? <laughs> yes, that's right. Conspiracy. Conspiracy. <laughs> Rock and roll. Next up, Kin. <laughs> Kindling for the fire. Oh boy. Can right. I have another brewski? Should should we move on at this point? What are we <laughs> doing? Already... Yeah, where are well, we going, I'd man? Like to... oh, wait, Perry, did, did we run out of genres of of, of bands tonight? We ran out. We ran out of family bands and duos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, let's write this shit. But because... you know what? Anybody else out there who thinks of them, you know what? Email us. And what's the at email, Perry? Show at gmail dot com. Yeah, there you or go. comment. Yeah, come on. You know, let us know. We do this or for comment, you people. Or comment on the YouTube or the Facebook post. So, yeah. Anyway, so Luke, comment on, on Mark's some, sometimes defunct Facebook page from Music Rolls Podcast. Hey, it's up there. Music Rolls Show. I did my job. I know. <laughs> Don't so tell are the we boss done with that I category. <laughs> All right. So, listen. Uh, you wanted to talk tonight about Lou about. Your uh, Sears Silvertone guitars. I'm very interested in hearing about this. Well, yeah, I, I have a Sears Silvertone amplifier, but go, you know, the whole thing was that they produced a line of musical instruments amplifiers. Mm -hmm. um, now, here's something because, you know, if you're of a certain age, you're very well of the Sears department stores, Sears automotive centers, Sears catalog, um, the Sears catalog. I mean, come on, when we were kids, sure. Christmas. The yep. Sears catalog meant Christmas. Absolutely. My mom, every year, mom would get the catalog, say, pick out what you want. And she'd 
freak out whether it was going to get delivered on time. This was yeah. back in the early 60s. Um, so, you know, so Sears, actually, they were a department store founded in 1892 by Richard Warren Sears and Alva Curtis Roebuck. Um, they were a mail order company. So they eventually they became retail, and Chicago was the first Sears store. Uh, they're gone mm-hmm. now because Sears at one point was the biggest retailer. In the in 1980s, it was the biggest department store retailer. Sales declined, bankrupt. Kmart bought them. It's all over. So th- there was a big Sears in Asheville where I bought my lawnmower. And I got my uh, my tires fixed and stuff like that. And it's gone. It's, it's kind of a bummer. I still love going to Sears with my mom and dad or whatever. You know, if you yeah. your mom should be looking at clothes and stuff. You can go look at the toys. It was just... There's, there's stores that have a certain smell to them. Those old department stores, they're always yeah, cold. Yep. And Mark, what they're, are you holding up there? Mark is holding a, a guitar. guitar. Lou just gave me a memory. Right? Pick a, a, a gift out. So I think I was 14 or 13. I picked this guitar out of the Sears Robot catalog. Still got wow. it. Yep. Okay. I mean, Mark, it's can, not can a silver tone. Headstock. What does the wow. headstock say? It has been redone by my good friends, Kevin Colomore and Bill Sharp. Kevin is no longer with us anymore, but they were in high school. They could fix guitars. So they did some work on it and they said, let's put our Sharp KRC thing. So the whole anything to do with Sears was taken off, unfortunately. But look at it say originally Tysco. I can't remember. Funny you should should mention that because I'll get to that. Um, And you can tell me what you know about Tysco. Well, anyway, so Sears, you know, they started a. a line of uh, consumer electronics and music, musical instruments. Yeah. Um, so the, the Silvertone, uh, wait a second here. Yep. Yeah. So they're producing music instruments from 1916 to 1972. Um, in 2001, they were sold to rights. Samrick Music has them now. And they're still reproducing some of the classic uh, yeah, vintage yep. instruments. But uh, the original stuff, you know, they made uh, electric acoustic guitars, basses, ukuleles, accordions. Yeah. Um, radio. So they started in 1916 making radio receivers, hand-cranked phonographs. And in the 1920s, they made Silvertone radios. Uh, they started producing Silvertone radio tubes and batteries. My amp, which I'll be showing in a minute, um, it has Silvertone tubes in it, but I need to get new ones, and I found a source. So mm. uh, this amplifier, it's, it's great. Uh, so in the 1930s, they started making musical instruments. The guitars were great because they were low-cost. They were easy to play. They were short-scale. They were 18 frets. So a beginner... Guitar player had, you know, the neck wasn't intimidating. So like my yeah, Stratocaster yep. was to me. Um, so, yeah. So there was a Canadian band called, actually, this is a trivia question. A Canadian band, rock band called Chad Allen and the Silvertones. They took their name from the musical instruments. Later on, they became a big Canadian band, Canadian rock band. Can you name the band? You each get one choice each. I will say Can- the guess who. Okay. Mr. Smith. I'm going to agree with that. Guess who? You were both right. It was a guess who. Yeah. So wow. that they started playing those instruments early on and they came what they are. Um, so the instruments and amplifiers were built by Dan Electro, which mm-hmm. is another story unto itself. Yeah. Um, if you're a rock fan, you know, John Nittmussel went through about five Dan Electro bases recording my generation. Again, he was just ripping these things up. And I guess they said apparently it, once you broke a string, you couldn't replace it or something or whatever. Some weird <laughs> story molded to the headstock. Yeah, well, they weren't really like, wood. They were like Masonite like welded. front or it, it, something. Yeah. You yeah. mean like James Masonite? <laughs> Laminate. Uh, so uh, Den Electro, Valco Harmony made them. Um, Thomas K and Tysco. So, Perry, you mentioned Tysco a, a few minutes yeah, ago. Tysco what? was a Japanese guitar. Yeah. 
It was back okay. when Japan was known for cheesy stuff. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, well, now Harmony made guitars, and some of the modern guitars, yeah. the Buck Owens model, that are produced by the Samrick line. Yeah. Actually, now it's RBI is the company that now owns and produces um, Silvertone yeah. guitars, but not not the originals. Obviously, you may, you may have seen Link Ray with a Harmony, and the, hmm. like there was a Surf thing earlier. You know, Harmony, you know some yeah. of them use Harmonies for the Surf too, right? And you know, the Dan Electro bass had that had that sound. Now, didn't Glenn Campbell play one? Bass. Who? The, the, the Longhorn bass. That's a Dan yeah. Electro. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's got that sound. It sounds like a, a, a reverby guitar. So the guitars they made, you know, they also made the, um, it was the, four, four, the Silvertone 1448 series. It was a single lipstick pickup guitar. It had the Masonite body and the rest mm-hmm. was pine. And there's also the 1449 that had two pickups. But these guitars also came with the famous guitar case amplifier. It was an amplifier with a, yeah. an ampl- it was a guitar case with an amplifier amplifier built into the yeah. top half of the guitar so case. So you just open up the case and there's your speaker in there, right? Yep. So yep. The, now these things, you know, you know, here's a price. So that guitar and amp combination in say 1964, say what do you think they retailed for? Oh, fourteen dollars and seventy cents. It's it's higher than it's higher than that, but it is not yeah. an exorbitant amount of money. Maybe it seemed like four ninety five. Twenty four ninety five. Twenty four ninety five. Sixty seven ninety five. Yeah, that's a lot of money. And what are they worth now? In uh, mid condition, I think they're going for about six hundreds or so mm-hmm. in that range. Uh, reason I know that was because, well, I'll get to that. So it's called the amp in the case. It was a three watt amp. It had two tubes, one rectifier tube, a uh, five inch speaker, and a gain and a gain knob. And the fourteen forty nine, which was the two pickup model guitar. It was a five watt amp with three tubes and one rectifier. So it was a four tube amp. It had a five inch speaker, gain tone tremolo, two inputs, and had a foot switch on it. That is really cool. Yeah. Um, so one time on eBay, going back in the like early 2000s, and I saw one on a guitar. It was a 1447 uh, amplifier guitar case on eBay. I put a bid on it, and the thing was just going up and up and up. I said, nah, I'm not going to do it. I wish I kind of did, but <coughs> anyway. So the, the so the fourteen forty nine and forty seven guitars they were semi semi hollow body, double cutaway, almost strat body shaped. Um, but those amp guitar things are known players known for playing them are Mick Jagger, Beck, Cat Power, uh, Daniel Rawson of the band Grizzly Bear. That's kind of a newer band. I kind of like them. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting stuff. Uh, Dave Grohl and Sammy Hagar both had them as children. So Sammy Hagar is a little red rocker <laughs> had yeah. one of those things. That must have been a cool when you were a kid. I mean, think about oh. how cool that is. Yes, I read his autobiography. He was living out on a farm in California. He talked California. about getting that thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that was a guitar. So now the re- the reproduce now, but you know, there's there's a Paul Stanley model silver tone <laughs> guitar. It looks like an SG. I mean, it's not the same thing. Um, now the amplifiers. Yeah. Um, they were known for in- the the amplifiers were made in the early '60s. The one I have is an early '60s amp. I don't know the the year. Um. There was a 1484. It's called the Twin 12. It was a 60 watt amp. Um, Beck plays one. They're using Coldplay, and Jack White has playing one. Um, the one I have, and I'll be showing in a moment, is the Silvertone 1481. It's a five watt spe- uh, five watt amp. It has a one eight inch speaker in it. I've got a volume <laughs> control and a um, tone control. It's got two inputs. It's a Fisher speaker in there, and I have the original tubes in it. Let's see. Uh, her. We will. Um, give me one second. 
Boom, boom, boom. All right. So let's see if I can do this without breaking anything. Ugh. All right. I'm guessing it's got a little weight to it, huh? It's not that heavy at all, uh, really. So it's it's got that, what do they call that front here? Yeah. Like, um, it's kind of tweedy. It's got a little sparkle yeah, to it. It's, yeah. I don't know. Sometimes it's referred to as a grill. or. Uh, there you go. Um, nice. You can it's, see the logo. So it's, that's, uh, that's silver face, right? Silver face. And that's a yeah. silver tone on it. Yeah. Uh, it's a real simple design. It weighs nothing. Why uh, do the, you say that you have to have sear silver tone tubes in it like you know, i don't i don't working? have to no uh, well, actually one of the tubes is blown so i just have to get a replacement tube but yeah, you, know, you, yeah. you can hey it's no no problem yeah if it doesn't work further than that i, I will have it repaired because i have no intention on selling it um but the back looks like this it's just real simple it's got the sound yeah. baffle in the back volume you know volume uh tone control there's a yeah. fuse in there yeah. uh, it's a yep. neat little amp it's not high volume but when you yeah, play it, play it clean. It has a really nice warm tube sound. Yeah, when you crank this thing up, it's crunchy as hell. Yeah, well, mm. all lamps have a rectifier tube in it. But, right. Uh, okay. Yeah. And now, when you think rectifier, I think that's a tube. Is that produce you would think overdrive? distortion and distortion uh, and, overdrive? It might be the one that allows it. I don't know, but yeah, it's. Well, uh, you said that's five watts. Yeah. You put. Wow. A, I've used that. Put a microphone in front of it, right? And uh, so that sounds will, great. In, in Asheville, you know, any small club, you know, when I played the blues jam at the Asheville Guitar mm. Bar a month ago, uh, Jimmy Anderson was playing. I don't know what kind of amp it was. It was a little amp about this size. You stick a mic in front of it, and you, yeah, it's going yep. through the PA. Um, it's got a great crunch to it. And mm. so what Mark is going to play in a moment is a sample of one of our songs, Perry, one of our co-writes called What a Day Number 9. That oh, really? Both of us play guitars, but Mark's going to come to the dueling guitar solos. Um, so with that, I played my I played my former friend uh, Fender Stratocaster through this amp. And it was a cleaner setting, um, and mic'd it. So the uh, guitar we're going to hear is through this Sears Silvertone amplifier. Right. This was recorded at, although I didn't have a name for the studio, we call it the Mountain on Mountain Avenue in Westwood, New Jersey. So this was recorded on in the Mountain, the Mountain Studio in Westwood, New Jersey, around 2002, maybe. Hmm? Hit it. All right. Here we go. It's sweetheart. It's all right. That guitar, that's that's it. It's all right. All right, this is Perry playing his Telecaster. Lap steel. Lap steel. That's right. Those rubber sounds are good. Silver tone. I know, I know exactly what Lou's playing. That's right there. Okay. Here we go. So it's a uh, your guitar sounded older. You know, it sounded, yeah. it had an it, older sound to it. It had a vintage sound to it. Yeah, yep. And, and interesting because we're we're both playing, well, you're playing your pedal steel, but you're also playing your, your Telecaster, your Jane yeah. Telly. Yeah. It was really high brittle parts, but you were playing through, I think, the Virtualizer, the um, 
One of our digital. Well, what do you mean high brittle part? What, what do you? That, the, the, those, you know, those, those, that Telecaster has a biting, stinging. It's that's the Telecaster sound. <laughs> Very but brittle I, I, that night, Perry. I don't think I used that. It was I was using the same amplifier as you, the silver, silver no, tone. No, you don't. No. You didn't play the. I was using tone. a direct box. You were yeah. using a, your probably, probably my yeah. Behringer Vamp. Um, but your guitar had this really biting Tele sound to it. The Strat through the uh, through the Silvertone had a little warmer, was older. cleaner. Yeah, well, the, the, the idea yep. was the idea was to have the contrast there, so our Correct. guitars didn't sound yeah. the same. Yep. Um, they both sounded great, by the way. Um, but I, that's one of, that's one of my favorite collaborations of ours, by the way. Wow, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and that used to be the uh, opening theme to the Music Relish podcast, yeah. right? Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. So back in so the what, day, yep. yes. So what that was, that was just a a contrast between modern technology where yep yep it, nobody Perry, nobody would know that your telecaster and that was a rickenbacker lap steel that was the frying pan yes okay yep. um you might not know they were recorded digitally while my guitar was, was an analog source was an old tube source but that's that's the, the plus of both technologies you know you, you can't tell the difference it, the yeah. guitars just sound different tonally and they're compatible too, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Don't ever let anybody let, tell you that analog and digital are incompatible because they are. Yeah, they are compatible. You need, yeah. you need analog to go into the digital, mm-hmm. and when you have a good analog source, and if the digital is done right, you're going to get that yep. nice analog sound. Yeah. As try as they might, digital cannot perfectly mimic analog. They'll try, mm. tell okay. you, but they can't. Mm. <laughs> um, now, our Behringer VMs have a tube. You like the tube preamp setting? Yeah. You, I think yeah. you mentioned. It really is not. It sounds like a just a regular clean small stage amp. I gotta um, say, I was playing it through an amp, and when you play it through your existing amp, you gotta make sure everything is totally clean before you play. Because I was like, there's uh, a little drive on the amp, and it sounded hard. But I discovered it when I actually just plugged my headphones in, listen. I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, they did a great job on that. And that I think I got that 15 years ago. So well, that long ago, they were doing a good job with it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, mine's a. I got mine in early two thousand, so I've had it for over twenty years. It's still I mean, working. The modeling, they're getting good at it with the modeling of the yeah. amplifier sounds. I, I can only well, imagine what they sound like now. I mean, ours are so ours are so old, but I I never feel the need to replace they it. They sound Perry, better. They sound. Perry, trust me, they sound better than these digital plugins on the computer. They sound well, better. Yeah, Perry, well, you I, know, I'm, I'm in I'm in st- standalone models. Like, does Behringer make the VM seven now, or you know, or is it just, is that gone so. by the wayside? I don't think so. Yeah, oh, yeah, two. I know, uh, Behringer two point Behringer three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The, the VM sixteen. Yeah, but you know, think, when we bought these, they, I, they said they, they had tube emulation. They called it, and I got to say, they really right. did a pretty a damn good job of Absolutely. doing it. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Barry, I'm you a, know, I, I'm a, you know what? Uh, you know, VM I have the blue one. How old is that? Fifteen years, maybe I got it fifteen years ago. Right. Who me? I yeah, don't remember the v, the V the Behringer I bought the blue one? Uh, I got yeah. it on your advice, and I think it was fifteen years ago. That hmm. sound, I was telling Lou, it sounded great. You yeah. and it's like, how advice. could they improve? I got it on Lou's advice, so yeah. <laughs> Lou, you spread like a disease. You you spread. The, <laughs> get the I have Behringer equipment is because of Lou. Is I, like, I, yeah. like well, I have an endorsement with Behringer actually. Really? A I'm an I'm personal I'm an international artist. What's your channel called? That, uh, That's called bullshit. You have the endorsement on. I don't know how one. They rejected me. Fucking bullshit to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true because I remember Perry just like telling me, you got to get. Well, 
I couldn't afford the line six. I said you have to get a direct box. I didn't say you have to get a Behringer. I said you have to get a direct box. I said I couldn't afford. cheaper than line six. Yeah. I said I couldn't afford the line six, and you said try the Behringer. More affordable. Then I went to my local store, which was the Guitar Center, and I said, listen, I can't afford the line six. How are these Behringers? And the the salesman said, you know, and he's going to get less of a commission, but he said they're just as good. That's what you wow. said. You know? Oh, really? Just I have good. a line six. I have the red one. Yeah. Well, yep. you, you, you had a line six when I bought my Behringer because I did the same thing Mark did. I saw the line. I'm like, and I, and I looked at the line six, and for some reason, the look of the Behringer seemed, I, I said, I could figure that out because yeah, I was yeah. terrified of digital technology. Well, that's what I meant. But, I meant I meant I have the Behringer uh, V-Amp, the red mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. That was a line six. No, I have the, the V-Amp. The V-Amps are blue. No, the <laughs> earlier model was red. I Wait, remember was it really? That. Yeah, because when I bought mine, it was blue, and I remember Perry's. Let me was see red. if I could find it. Wow. Here, hold on a second. I'm, I'm I, I, just, I remember Perry's line six. I don't remember his Behringer V amp because it was that long ago. They left me. I got mine here. We left you alone. Sorry there, Luke. That's okay. <laughs> like, look, this is yeah. This is what I got. I got. So you the, got the uh, V amp too, right? Yeah. Mine's just the V amp. Oh, okay. So you yeah, have the it's, red. The, it's the same Mine's thing. Red. Well, yeah, I want a red. I, I, I want a red one. Now you got the, oh, Perry, Perry's, he, got the the new... Perry's got the VM three. You know, he's always got to get something better than us. Have you noticed that? Yes, he only got the two. Yeah, I got the one. I'm like Charlie Brown. Yeah. So really, for this show, Lou, you should be there. I should be in the middle. Holes. Perry should be, and we should all hold up our VMs. You know? Yeah, really. After, hello, hello, hello. <laughs> you know what it is, Perry? You had the line six. Then after I got the the a few years later, you bought the Behringer. I still have the Line Six. It's hooked up to my keyboard. Yep. Cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mark, you have a Line Six amp. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Okay. I'm not very happy with the sound of it. To tell you really? the truth, I'm I somebody just gifted me a Fender amp, and I like it much better. No. Oh. Compared to the direct box that Perry had, the the Line Six that had much better sounds. I'm kind of the the the, the chorus sound is not that. It doesn't impress me, but maybe I'm not using it right. You know, maybe I need to to fool around with a little more. I have a PV Viper amp. It's a digital amp. It's got a um, 12-inch speaker in it. It's got some pretty cool effects. It has a reverse thing. (laughs) It does your reverse for you. It's pretty wild. (laughs) I like that, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, let let me tell you something, though. Going back to that Silvertone amp, when you showed the back of it, I couldn't do it on the show. It's too heavy, and I have it in storage. But I got an an Ampeg amp that was gifted to me. It's from the early 60s. I think we traced it to 61. Hmm. It, it The back looked the same thing. I need to replace the tubes. But I'm wondering, do they have a good reputation, Ampeg amps? I mean, how do they yeah. sound? Oh, yeah. I wonder if I should I wonder if I should put the money into it, fixing it up. You know? I, I would think it would be worth it. I mean, um, Ampeg made great guitars. Rick Danko's fretless bass yeah. that he played on um, uh, third album, Stage Fright, that live uh-huh. thing, that's an Ampeg fretless. So that, that's a okay. that's a company. Okay. Um, I, I have serial know. numbers. Everything has a serial number yeah. and a model number. So you, it's easy to find out how old it is. And Yeah, right. we did that a while ago. I traced it, I think, to 61. Uh, but mm-hmm. I don't know their history and stuff. So I'm like, yeah, I got it. Like I said, I put it in climate-controlled storage because my old apartment was terrible. So I, I think I'll put the money into it and try and fix it up. I might have a good-sounding yeah, amp there. Mm-hmm. You might. It, actually, um, in, I have a Behringer um, bass V-amp. And their Motown sound sample amp is an Ampeg. Oh, okay. So yeah, no, that, mm. definitely. I would think uh, in the early '60s, that's probably it's a quality amp. I would think. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. 
All right. Oh, also, cool. now the reason I was, how I got the silver tone was, yeah, I took a trip up to Maine, up to Bar Harbor, and stayed for a week in a cabin. And I was in some little. I was in downtown Bar Harbor. There's this little little music store, and I went in there. You know, real nichey place, but I saw the silver tone amp up there. I'm like, wow. So I was, wow. it was two hundred and fifty dollars in ah. two thousand three. You and gotta said, steal. I'll take it. I said, I'll yeah. take it. <laughs> nice. Sight unseen. Nice. I, he told me, he goes, it works. I said, I, I, I believe you. I might, he might have played a guitar through it. but so See, I, I, thanks, I, I to those, that thanks to those newfangled musicians making them re- popular. Now they're expensive, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, can, well, actually, this, my amp, you know, this model, I've seen them go anywhere from $1,000 to $500. Mm. To, for the, now, mine's got some little bit of ding damage. So I have to get a new, tu- a new tube in it. Our old, our old pal buddy got a hold of it. Oh, <laughs> so oh. some of the Tolex on on the one side it's been stripped off, but you know that's called character. That's called character. Does. I don't intend on selling it. You so. can say that it happened at an old roadside bar in in um, yeah. Edmonton, Oklahoma. Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah something <laughs> like, like that. Yeah, belt buckle scratches on the back of your guitar. <laughs> yeah. I had to hit somebody with it. <laughs> All right, Perry, you have some yeah. random relish for us here. I think I do. I think I yeah, might. I, yeah, I got, a, I got a hot dog, so, you know. Hit me with oh, that random relish. Hot dog. Hot dog on a bun. Brendan Scott McLean mentioned the other week about Elvis, right? Being pressed two billion times. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Over the course of Elvis's life, he achieved some of the highest accolades in music and film. Estimated more than one billion Elvis records have been sold worldwide. So having... Like Scott claimed, or Scott stated that, yeah, two billion presses of an Elvis, absolutely, yeah. easily. Wow. Elvis, wow. Elvis Records had been sold world more than anyone in record industry history. That's amazing. So, yeah, two billion presses of an Elvis record, absolutely. Like Tom wow. Hanks said in Castaway, one billion fans can't be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so so he, a, he's the head of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame now, isn't he? Who, uh, yeah, Elvis? I think he is. Thanks. Now they booted John Venner <laughs> yeah. out. Oh, I found uh, I found some weird friggin' thing also on the uh, on the internet. Let's see if this was a lot of weird, weird things thing on plays. the internet. Yeah, probably. this is weird <laughs> shit, man. What? There's pickle juice on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> weird shit, man. You find out there, man. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> I can't take it. I can't. Oh, I can't scary. take it. <laughs> How did you make the heads bobble? Come on, that's weird, man. <laughs> Let's watch it again. <laughs> trippy, man. Trippy. I can't stand it. I can't stand it. That's like the death cult. That is thing. weird. <laughs> oh, do you know that a Hugh Patrick? You have to I put the popcorn mothership. song to that. You have to put the popcorn <laughs> song to that one. <laughs> you know Hugh Padgham, right? Yeah. Did two yeah. Rush albums. He gets, he, well, he did a lot of records, but <laughs> he gets a performance royalty on Peter Gabriel. Games Without Frontiers. Where he gets a, perf- not, you know, uh, he gets a did production he royalty. He whistled. He was whistling on that That's song. That's him doing the whistle? So he gets a performance royalty because he was whistling That's cool. on Peter Gabriel, Games Without Frontiers. Yep. That's a, that's a big part of the song. <clears throat> I, yeah, I think yeah. he's a drummer, too, I think. 
Then why did he make Neil Peart's drums sound so bad on what else did he produce? He produced Presto and Roll the Bones with the most skinniest, just trebly then roll the bones. That was his that was his sound. That was the early eighties sound. Well, you know, could have you know, where was it recorded in that friggin' It was just that was the sound. He got that sound, I think, with the police too. He always gave Stuart Copeland that kind of sound, you know. Um speaking of that Peter Gabriel song, that was my first Peter Gabriel song I ever heard on 1027 or WPLJ yeah. in New York. And well, Hugh I, I was, one of the, was whistling on there. That is hmm. cool. That was like, that is such a cool song. And I always wondered, was the chorus, she's so fucky, yay? I couldn't understand what he was uh, saying. Yeah, I she's <laughs> so funky, yeah. But it's not. But I, I heard it's French or something. Yeah. That's, so that's, that's 1980. Yeah. Wow. So, so I was 11 I remember, years yeah, old. When, when that song came out, that was a big song. I Got You by Split Ends was a big song. Oh, there's one of those songs that might, I don't know if that's the song where you said there's some French stuff going on. That's Kate Bush. What's that? Um, on one of those songs, where, like so, you said, there's uh, for like mm-hmm. Kate Bush is speaking French in reverse or something. Let's get oh, wow. real cool, interesting studio uh, experimentation in there. And Adolf plays with it. Do, do, yeah. Mark, no, uh, what? <clears throat> Mark was telling me, uh, you know, earlier before you logged on, Lou. Mark was uh, going on about how um, this song's called "Little Wing," you know, whatever. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's you know, accents and stuff. And I said, imagine if Cheap Trick were English, you know, like I want you to want me. <laughs> oh, that I need you to need me. I love you to love me. Hello, Budacon. <clears throat> Hello, you pretties at Budacon. But there's these, you know, these accents are looked down upon by some people. You, you know. Well, if certain you accents can't... are more posh than others. Yeah. Um, yeah they, if you don't pronounce the T's, it's considered low class, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. The and first like Peter Gabriel accent. song I ever heard was Salisbury Steak. I was <laughs> eating a Salisbury Steak. Dude, I love Salisbury dude, Steak, dude, by dude. the way. I love it, too. I love it in a TV dinner, yeah. On a plastic tray, watching TV with with rabbit ear antennas. <laughs> oh, now, is it, memories! Now, is, is your dessert the chocolate pudding or the cherry compote? Cherry compost, <laughs> definitely. Mark, Mark, Mark was Mark was debating whether to start, you know, drinking wine before before we actually started recording. And I said, he goes, "Well, it's not wine o'clock yet." I said, "That's a good that's a good advertisement for the wine industry. It's wine o'clock somewhere. It's wine it's o'clock somewhere." Thirty. Happy hour. Um, it's wine o'clock. To give credit where credit is due, it was from Absolutely Fabulous, and it's 9 a.m., and she says, do you want a spot of wine? It's always <laughs> wine o'clock, honey. Yeah. Um, by the way, Game Staff Frontiers, yeah, Peter Gabriel, David Rhodes on guitar, Jerry Murata on drums, yeah. um, and then Kate Brother Bush Rick backing Murata. vocals. Kate Bush on backing vocals. But the two whistles are Steve Lillywhite and Hugh Padgham. So it's Steve Lillywhite, wow. also another producer. Another producer. Another drum, yeah. a drum-centric producer. Yeah. And there's no bass player on that song. <laughs> Steve Lillywhite. Really? Oh, yeah. 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 Lillywhite. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he produced U2, the early U2 albums. Yeah. yeah. He produced first a lot. Uh, yeah, he I did think Simple Minds. No, who I produced Simple Minds? Uh, psychedelic Furs. Probably. Go away. Oh. Oh, you want to go over this? Here we go. XTC, Big Country, Susie and the Banshees, Simple Minds, Psychedelic Furs, Toya, David Byrne, Talking Heads, U2, The Rolling Stones, The Pogues, mm-hmm. Blue October. I mean, it just goes on and on. Peter wow. Gabriel, Morrissey. Man, Dave Matthews he produced. Yeah, he did a hmm. lot. 
That's that. That's a segment we got to talk about someday. I want you to want me. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> oh, the wait, dream the show police are going to be in my bed. <laughs> you know, a talk my... is cheap and those rumors ain't nice. <laughs> you sound twat. like a little young Steve Marriott from the small faces there. Wouldn't it be nice <laughs> to get on with me neighbors? <laughs> Oi, she's tight. She's got a little guy. Nah, she's tight. <laughs> Hello, it's me again. I want to be with you every day. Oh, you like Keith Moon. What was the Keith Moon thing in that movie? Oh, there, boy. <laughs> you got to get up now. I got to keep my lip button. <laughs> well, like I was telling Keith Perry. never did sessions. I was telling Perry this morning, I was listening where me and we were watching the Premier League shit and they were talking about a stadium the, the, and then cool that the missing T is hilarious in some words. So one guy said, <laughs> you know, the stadium's not just bricks and mortar. And I looked mortar, at Anthony oh, wow. and I'm like, how do you say mortar? Mortar. Mortar. Ain't bricks all bricks and mortar. And mortar. <laughs> well, when I was a kid in Kingsburg, New Jersey, they had a furries to come over from Brooklyn and all the working class Brooklynites would vacation at the Jersey Shore like Billy mm. Joel's Allentown and bungalows. And I'm, I'm hanging out at a friend's house and he's like, we're going to burl some water for hot dogs. I'm like, you're going to what? <laughs> burl. <laughs> you're going to burl, like boil, I think boil oil was yeah. earl. Oil was earl, boil was yep. burl. Soil was so- you have thirst. <laughs> that's bullshit Although, and did you have soda pop soda pop? I, I still say that when I, at home i'm like i'm gonna have some eggs and turfs well our, our friend our mutual Toast. friend Sotmitter Singh used to call himself burnt toast or something <laughs> well, well he lived with me for a summer he ate nothing but toast hmm. really toast, yeah and toast yeah and and, and uh, pizza <laughs> do you know that you i have manu- he, I, I have his old toaster that he used at, at single wide sound I still use it to this day. It looks like it's going to catch fire any minute, but I still have this toaster. I have this Bert toaster. This may be too personal to ask, but what did he put on his toast? Because I'm a jam Nothing. and butter guy. Nothing. Oh, I'm a jam and butter. Jam. I not like jelly, jam. jam. I buy honey and I kiss it on the lips. <laughs> butter sausage. You do the mouth perfectly. You got a beautiful mouth there. Stop. I'm so bummed out it was a Ah, made it go away. <laughs> Look like you got like a top of your head chopped off, like in that Hannibal Lecter movie. <laughs> Will you Ray stop Leo? that? Stop that it, ble- Starling. That was a blessing. I worked in. That was the job offer. I worked into the blessing. Uh, you can make me drink more. Come on, stop. Jesus. <laughs> it's wine o'clock somewhere, Mark. Yeah, it's, it's seven a.m. in Russia right now. All right, man. Let's do our move vodka on. in your glass. Are we ready to move on here? We're ready. I'm I'm ready. So I hear we're going to be talking about some Al Stewart. Yeah, we're going to play a song for Sotmitter Singh and Scott McLean. You mean Al Stewart, the jazz trumpeter that was a customer at Andrew's (laughs) Liquors? (laughs) Al Stewart. No, Al Stewart, the the year of the cat guy. The uh, English... English singer, songwriter, extraordinaire, poet. And he had a, another one called Time Passages, right? Yeah, that was a follow-up single, the follow-up hit, I guess, to uh, yeah. you're, you're the Cat. Link Sausages. Sutner's <laughs> <laughs> uh, going to love that. Yeah, as, so as, as he's a vegetarian, he used to eat sausage. So it was sausage that was sort of Time Sausages. So, Mark, whenever you're ready, we'll... Uh, well, let me get my uh, let me get my timer set here. Yes. 
Let's okay, synchronize. Whatever you're ready, Mark. That's those pre-production notes we don't want <clears throat> to know about. Anytime yeah. you want to do it, Perry, go for it. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. Time Passages. Live by Al, Al Stewart. Stewart. Live on some English television show, I believe. All right, here we go. Song called Time Passages. Dig that natural fountain. That's the kind I always wanted to buy. I had to buy a telly. <sighs> Nobody's sweating, but it's live. It's amazing. The song's full of hooks. Yeah. So that, that, keep, that sax player is key to that band. I focus yeah. his sound, you know? It was necessary sax. It wasn't the saxophone that a producer put on because that was the thing he did in 1979. Yeah. He was a part of the band. Yeah, exactly. He is. He's just an image of class. Right? T- total English. Typical yeah. And laid back, I mean, the, the perfect time for that. Another Year of the Cat album has a great sound to it. It's perfectly encapsulated in the mid-70s. He told, he's a storyteller. He wrote, yep. he wrote great stories. On the production by Alan Parsons. Alan Parsons, yeah. <clears throat> and the sax player has a really cool feathered hairdo. Mm. Very much in love with the band. I might have even had that Reminds me of Paul Williams and DJ and the Bandit. <laughs> That's right. He's an actor. Everybody in this... It, everyone has a key role. That was a year at the top. That was a year at the top he was in. Yeah, yeah. Great guitar sound. That's all What kind of guitar is that lead guitar? Is that a Les Paul or like a? That's yeah. a I think that was a, a Les Paul. Paul. Les and, Paul Jr. Um, 
Might be. Oh, I don't no, know. I think it's a, I think it's a regular Les Paul. But I guess, I guess he's very tall because it looks like a small scale body guitar. Yeah. The Stratocasters, you know, he's got the large head Stratocaster. Al Stewart had with the exposed bullet. That's the 1970s. The other Strat okay. player had the smaller head. That's a classic Stratocaster. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now that I, that blonde wood Stratocaster was very happening in the 70s. I think it's a great. I always, yeah. Great. You I always, always wanted one. Natural finish. Yep. Yeah. Always Mark, yours is, I would... Mark, yours is like the cream yellow, isn't it? Or yeah, yeah. That's a good. Yeah. Okay. That, that my that's what my brother had. He had a that that color strat. Good looking guitar. But the dynamics on that, so everything was just so tight. Nobody was louder than they should have been. No, all that. Nope. You can tell, by the way, you know, when you hear him sing, he's not a powerful. Here's the thing about bands and being live. You cannot overpower the singer. You know, if the singer's yeah. got his gigantic voice or whatever. Yeah, like ACDC, those guys could blast the shit out of you know, their instruments. Yeah. Yep. But you've got to be in balance with the singer. So Al Stewart, he's a very lyrical singer. Uh, great voice. Um, yeah, yep. But, you know, like I said, no, no one's going above anything. All those levels or everything is the way it's supposed Dynamically, to be. Dynamically, it was Dynamically, good. yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. A great, great song architecture in that. You know, the arrangement is very nice. You yeah, mentioned the yep. sax solo, Perry. It's 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 its own part. Yeah, it is. It's a different piece of music. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's <laughs> that, much that's, like that's pretty friggin' smart. You know, it's much like Year yeah. of the Cat, where everyone has a distinct yeah. solo, and and they're very like it makes the song. It's not a solo over a song. The so, the solo is part of the song. Right. Was Alan Parsons involved in that? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. So I remember that that follow-up single. I didn't like Time Sausages when I first heard it. Neither did it's, I. It's one of those things. It, it was just a weird. I'm not a big fan of winter. Well, but that electric piano sound used to bug me at that time because of Paul Simon. I was like, Paul the Simon sax- was just too. Paul Simon with the electric piano. Uh, you know, like I, I very was, mellow, very the I, mellow seventies, and that sound of the electric piano. Then, even when he sang it in a chicken suit. Yes. Okay. But I but uh, but I learned to appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It it, it is it is a beautiful song. You know, it's a very pretty song. What I what I like about this performance, uh, Perry, when you first sent it to me, so I listened to it the first time, knew the song. The first thing that jumped out, as I told you, was how the old fashioned style of you know nowadays the mixer would fade up the fat sax you know he just steps hmm. in from out of nowhere and said right. yep. you know and I, yeah. also even though they're all playing their parts perfectly <clears throat> this recording is good because it still has like if you listen close you hear al stewart strumming his strat it gives it that live sound so you can tell mm-hmm. it's live it's not like steely dan where they're playing it exactly like the album it's a live sound, a little well, rough around the edges, but perfect at the same even time. The, even though when it went to that part where do 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 that was Al Stewart's guitar you were hearing because the yeah. other two players were yeah. doing that do 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 do. They were playing yeah. those notes. Yeah. Yeah. Al Stewart yeah. was actually playing the rhythm. Yeah. Yes, you can tell by his hand positions. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> he's playing complicated chords. You know, he, he wrote yeah. the song. Um, yeah. yeah, good guitar player. I, th- I thought on um, I thought on record that he might have played the acoustic solo. I thought he played the acoustic solo in Year of the Cat, you know, because that's got a acoustic solo, guitar, electric guitar, and then the saxophone. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. See how so, on the head of Mark's guitar. Mark, show the head of your guitar again. Head see, how, stock, see how up, up here it's covered. There, Al Stewart had the exposed bullet there on top. But what's the bullet? That's the the top of the truss rod. 
right so here. you can ah. adjust it from the top. From the top. Okay. These have to be adjusted from the bottom. Something the, the older one has to take neck off to adjust it. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Um. By the way, Al Stewart had an acoustic guitar player doing all those solos. Like he was a kind of a oh. partner of his, so he okay. did all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. I forget the guy's name, but you see him in the. That's the guy. I think that's the guy playing the Les Paul. He plays all the acoustic okay. stuff. So too. He, here's to Al Stewart. Yeah. What Marty Mulehausen was to Jim Croce. Yeah. Because those, if you go online, that same year that that video came from, there's a recording of him at the Capitol Theater in Passaic, and he's playing some <sighs> acoustic stuff, and he's got that guy next to him doing the solos. You know. Well, sounds like shit because everything at the Capitol Theater sounded like shit. The Capitol you know? Theater did not have great sound. No, it didn't. It wasn't. It was a theater. No, what, it wasn't really designed for sound. What, when you, you were there, sound, it was one thing. It they... sounded good when I was there. What did I know? I was yeah, I was twenty pump, years old. Up the volume. Yeah, I drank fourteen Molson L's before I went in. Probably. <laughs> well, what I was referring to is there's a ton. It seems like Capitol Theater videoed all their shows, and it shows up on YouTube. You can get whole Grateful Dead shows. You get hmm. whole. Um, Kiss shows is Grateful a couple Dead of them. played the Capitol Theater. Yeah, and Jerry mm. Kiss. There's a bunch of Kiss shows. It's the video feed sounds like crap. You know, it's like I think mm. it's just direct to the mic. You don't hear the audience. You know, but uh, yeah, there's a ton of it. Just search Capitol Theater Passaic shows. You'll get. It I will. Them. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, and you'll get that yeah. uh, Al Stewart. There's the video. There's a film of REM. They used to record the shows. The Capitol REM's playing there, like 1984. Oh. Wow. Black and white, but it's it's REM. Yeah. Mm. And I love that it's Capitol black and Theater. white. So you're watching an REM show in black and white. It makes you feel yeah. like you're watching a show from the fifth, early 70s, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. There's some uh, recent footage, or I guess in the last maybe 10 years or so, less of uh, Al Stewart now. Still sounds great. Yeah. You know, he's singing. He, he's in his 70s. Yeah. He's singing a little bit different. You know, maybe not extending the notes as long, but because yeah. he knows his voice and craft so well, he knows what to do. But he's, he's, but sounds great. Yeah. Know? So it was You're the Cat that he did. And he never pushed his voice like he wasn't a screamer, so no, he took no. care of his voice all those years. You know? Oh, sure, yeah. Guys like that, yeah. they, they all take vocal lessons. You know, I used to look down upon that stuff. You know, rock and roll is about being raw and being unschooled. Which is why, at that point, be. I couldn't that... stand the electric piano sound. Yeah, you know, and yeah, and the, uh, even this and Paul well, Simon. Uh, like... Well, at that point in the mid seventies, you know, you, you got kind of tired. Of, you know, there was the the whole mellow. Yeah, have you never been mellow? You know. But if you know if you're a rock and yeah. roll musician, you get a little, little bit of punk in you. Yeah, that stuff sounded kind of tame and even yeah, jazzy, yep. I guess. You know, well, it's still crazy after oh, all years has jazzy. a saxophone it's a, solo. It's a jazz composition. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Perry, I agree with you. Like, I always liked "Year of the Cat," even when I was a little kid, and I heard it. I love that song. The first time I heard "Time Passengers," I thought it was like kind of boring, kind of plain. Yeah, but me you're too. also comparing it like I won't. I don't remember when it came out, but I imagine some people when it first came out, they compared it to Year of the Cat. And mm -hmm. that is always that initial, hey, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. Age has made me appreciate this stuff in a way yeah. that, you know, oh, sure. when I was young, I just couldn't appreciate. Yeah, when, when the musicianship is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. When that when yeah. the song came out, if you listen to the lyrics, it's about, you know, the summer's over, winter's coming. You know, I'm not a big fan of Northeast Winter. So that song, I heard that song in the wintertime in New Jersey. I'm like... I didn't. I didn't. I didn't like it compared to "You're the Cat." It didn't have that. To me, it didn't have the same atmosphere. "You're the Cat." It, it tells such a amazing yeah. story. That, you know, the lyrics yeah. are so descriptive and, yeah. and, and lyrical and poetic. But yeah. so, is he a two-hit wonder? No, he has. He's got a few. Uh, "On the Border" was another song. He's gotten some radio. Yes. "On the Border." Oh yeah. yeah, I do remember hearing that. Yeah. yeah. Um, yep. There's there's maybe one other one, but he's not a one-hit wonder. Not a two-hit wonder though. 
Well, that other that other dude, I heard Scott McClain talking about these depressing songs like Gilbert O'Sullivan, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. in a little while, you know, I'm going to jump off a tower and, uh, right? But didn't he have another one, Gilbert O'Sullivan, like, uh, yeah, alone everyone that don't get down, get down, you're, you're a bad dog, dog baby. baby. Right, and he had Claire. Right, yeah. I mean, he was very tuneful. And yeah, but you know, know he, that was like Claire was a happy song, but it's still fucking depressing. It had something. But if you, look, I'm trying to, this I'm, dude, I'm trying to liken something to him, Gilbert, Gilbert, Gilbert O'Sullivan, to his modern equivalent, like I don't know, like Ben Folds, maybe, or you know, Billy Folds. <laughs> <laughs> I like when you get mad. I don't. What What are some Ben Fold five songs? Uh, I can't think of one. Now. I agree. I think you're right, Luke. I can't think of one. Ben now. Folds. Um, I didn't like the songs that folds. were on the radio. He never had like big hits, but he wasn't they were playing time, a lot of songs. Was he? No, no. But that was um, he has now. some songs that are kind of like along those lines. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's one of those guys. He's going to be around for years. He'll never oh, go he away. Song, we went to her apartment. Yeah, she's a brick, and I'm going nowhere. I think that she... sounds more like it. Yeah, yeah, he'll probably be Depressing. in the Grateful Dead soon, you know? Now he's not that virtuoso. It would be like Billy Joel being in. He wouldn't be able to do it. They don't do solos. Jelly Bowl. Yeah. Well, I also <laughs> mentioned on Milk Crates and Turntables that uh, Captain Jack, that's the same. To me, that's the same kind of song. <clears throat> you know, yeah. you found your father in a swimming pool. Like, come on. I, 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 I'm picturing my dad really floating in a pool. Is that really what it says? Yeah, his father had a heart attack while vacuuming. Because you know, anytime I've heard it, I thought, fuck this song, boom. So it really does say that, right? It does, it does. And to me, it's it's about suburban malaise, you know. And oh, just... the, the, the line, you, Lou, you know what I'm going to say, the line that ter- typical suburban malaise. You say your girlfriend's coming on over at eight, so you just sit at home and you masturbate. And when yeah. I first heard that line, I'm like, what the fuck is this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I get this image of Billy Joel sitting in a chair. Wow, going, I have to get by know? the senses yeah, with that one. Right? Yeah, really. And, <laughs> and you know, your mother buys your clothes. Like Jesus Christ, man. Well, you so know what? It's it reminds me of New Jersey. The... What's that? <laughs> it reminds me of suburban New Jersey. Some of oh, the yeah, people well, I grew up with. Suburban New Jersey, suburban Long Island. Long Island. That's the difference. Yeah. We're, we're yeah. all part of the New York sprawl. I used to <laughs> work with. Uh, I used to when I was in healthcare. We had a a team of people who. Uh, put in all the high-end equipment, the uh, video equipment and all that, and they were Bulgarian. But they had, like, <laughs> Russian accent. You know what I mean? It's sort of that, like yeah. a Russian accent. Yeah. yeah. And one time, you know, I would said to one of his assistants, well, you know, uh, you know, Russian. And he goes, we're Bulgarian. Like, they were pissed that yeah. I called them Russian. Mm-hmm. You know? You They're can still say Dasvidanya to them because they, it's a similar line. Mm, you know, okay. it's a... But yeah, I'm Bulgarian. I'm not Russian. Like he was pissed off. Uh, John Belushi, they're Bulgarian. I thought they were Albanian. Oh no, you're right. You're right. They're, they're all yeah, Albanian. Yeah. But it's, it's, those, those are those Eastern European countries that got sucked Eastern, up into the Iron. Yeah, they had no identity. They got yeah. sucked up in the, in the Iron Curtain. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Well, they, they were communist countries. Yeah. Yep. In a little while from now. No, I'm not feeling myself. My father died. Visited. That's like a childish melody when he you think about it. Sixty-five years la, la, old. La 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 la. Okay, that's childish. I remember I cried when my father died. I mean, come on. I mean, okay. 
But then I'm, they found your father in the swimming pool. <laughs> it's and it all looks like you're not one going. Big, <laughs> one big epic, depressing, like Terry Jackson. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, Jack Calabrese likes that song. What? Goodbye, Papa. It's hard yeah. to die. Uh, that season, one? Seasons in the Sun. Yeah. To me, it's like a, keep the sharp objects away from me. And that song's going on. <laughs> Ain't happening. He was 65. That, that, was, that was a thing, though. There was like. I don't know what was that the early 70s where they would be yeah. pressing friggin' songs like uh we we have covered that we have covered that a couple times because it's always worth it I mean 1974 I mean Seasons in the Sun with Billy Don't Be a Hero Is that Suzanne Vega song My Name is Luca that's a depressing song right I don't like yeah I live yeah. on the 40th it's, floor. it's about a kid being an abused child oh, That's, that's one a depressing of the darkest topic for a yeah. song yeah. yeah just like Natalie Merchant's um Oh, was a song about don't beating your children. I mean, shut hey. up, Natalie. Yes. <laughs> you know what you I know, think? If to... if I had a set of balls, I would have put the lyrics to "Shut Up, Natalie" on that I song. I can tell you the... the lyrics to a song Lou and I wrote one Do time. It. It's called "Shut Up, Natalie," and it goes, it. "I want to thank you for letting me showing me about all these things." Like you know, like I've done she wrong. Was, she's I very creepy. Yeah, she's I hit very my kid. Yeah. I hit him for all the wrong things he did. How about this one? I want to trank you, spank you, and fill you up with gin. <laughs> Shut up, Natalie. Well, this show the... has gone off a deep dive here. Only, yeah. Well, you Only went because... away for a minute, and it, you know, it yeah. went somewhere else, Mark. Daddy went away. See, I didn't think it's, I, I thought she was too preachy. That one song, I thought it was just very didactic, saying, you know, it's bad to abuse your children. Of course it is. I, of course I it is. Them. But I, just, I thought it was just like, you know, come on. You're, 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 who, are you, who are you singing to? The people that are <laughs> whipping your, hurting their kids aren't listening to your music, you know. You know I like Tiger it, Lily. Yeah, uh, but, but there was a the depressing song era where it was a thing to bump yeah. people out, right, with, uh, yeah. with song. Torn between two lovers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who's that? Melissa, Melissa Manchester, Melissa, or somebody maybe, like that. Maybe Maria Moldauer. Listen, can Melissa I read you some lyrics from probably the darkest song ever released as a single? And you tell me if you know the song. You ready? Right. Yeah. And far from flying high in clear blue skies, I'm spiraling down to the hole in the ground where I hide. If you negotiate the minefield in the drive and beat the dogs and cheat the cold electronic eyes, bear with me. And if you make it past the shotguns in the hall, dial the combination, open the priest hall, and if I'm, if I'm in, I'll tell you, and then, poof, a shotgun. Where, where's the hook? Where's the hook? <laughs> it's it's like a that song. Band from the Sopranos. It's the final cut, the last water. five folds. It's final cut, the last water single with Pink Floyd. It's about a World War II veteran planning a suicide, the whole song. It's dark. Oh. It's dark. But at the end, he goes, I never had the nerve to make the final cut. So there's hope at the end, but it's a dark song and it was all over radio. It was huge. <laughs> was it really? Yeah. All over radio? From the final what? cut? Yeah. That's my favorite Floyd album. Hmm. It's just dark. The whole album, dark. <laughs> you know me. I like, like light and bouncy, man. I like, no, light and I like bouncy. dark. <laughs> I like sunshine Puppy, pop. Yeah. You guys come I'm, over. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a depressor. I'm not a depressor. Yeah. I'm an Come over. Come over one day and I'll have the porcupine tree playing. You guys could just sit with me with black lights on, you know. And... <laughs> Lou, I was at his house one time and he's playing this friggin' porcupine tree. And I'm like, let me smack my head against the friggin' wall. <laughs> look, look, 
Look, you see that that guy's face behind me I in that picture? That's mm-hmm. fucking Porcupine Tree with their autographs. Yeah, yeah. The song was twenty four minutes and eleven seconds, or something like that. I can't remember. I, think, I can't. I couldn't play. I can't remember anything that long. I think we go that to the verse Perry, now. I think Perry. I think I said to you, "Hey Perry, the song's longer than two minutes and thirty seconds. Get ready." <laughs> <laughs> those pop singles, yeah. those one offs. Yeah, but short, you know, but then again, the shorter was, the better. Uh, there was those depressing ones, but then again, there was like. Uh, Katrina in the waves, walking on sun, like happy, that's yeah. happy and that's peppy, a, man. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. a great song. Doug, that's, a gr- that's a one-hit wonder, great, memorable. Yeah, that song's gonna go is. down. Like that song's gonna be remembered a hundred years from now. Yeah, that's a great that's intro true. song for a radio show. Stephanie Miller uses it, and it's a great way to kick off anything. You feel positive, you know. It, it's up there with good, good loving by the Rascals. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's. Yeah. it's yep. It's got that. One, two, three. Good. Yeah. Uno, yeah. dos, tres, cuatro. <laughs> dun, dun, willy bully. Yeah. Yeah. Those are happy. Like, yeah, I feel yeah. good listening to yeah. this stuff, you know? Yeah. I don't want to jump off of a tower when, the key uh, is, when I hear that stuff. It's natural when you want to write a song, it's natural to kind of go dark because that's where you get your artistic side out. But if you can yeah. make a happy song that's artistically good, you've done it. You've achieved well, something you're rare. You're right. Well, a lot of people said Sting, he goes, yeah, try writing a happy song. It's not yeah. easy. It's not easy as yeah. it sounds, you know. Not at all. <clears throat> John, one of John Lennon's favorite songs of the seventies was uh, uh, George McRae's "Rock Me, Baby." Come yeah. on, take me near "Rock Me." That's the whole song. He goes, "Oh yeah." yeah. A little, goes, in the goes, back, little bit of keyboard in the back. Yeah, yeah but it, yeah. it's a groove. It's just a groove. But John Lennon goes, yeah. self-deprecating. He goes, "I'm too intellectual to write something like that." Because I want to write something like that. Because I couldn't write a bebop lula. I could sing it and cover it because I can't write that kind of song. Right. That's John Lennon yeah. saying. Yeah. That. yeah. yeah. It's really not that easy. What was that expression with movies? Uh, dying is easy, comedy is hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so to be ha- to write the happy song, you know. Like, By the uh, way, that, Lou, yeah. It's funny when you hear John Lennon, the, the legend, talk about pop songs that he liked. You know, like we hear this, right? Like, and it's cool. I just read something that he liked "Touch and Go," the so- the country song by the Cars. I he did said it. that was one of his favorite singles. It's oh, wow. cool to hear. You know, like yeah, he was listening. Yeah. To it. I love hearing this stuff from from John. Even though he was a recluse, he was listening to the stuff. He day, loved you know? DLO. He loved uh, he loved Dave Edmonds version of "I Hear You Knocking." Yes, Harry. Did. Harry, yeah. didn't John Lennon say something like ELO or what the Beatles kind of would have sounded like? Yeah, we've discussed this in the past. Where yeah. he was uh, he was a guest on uh, a radio show in New York, one hundred two point seven, I think it was, and uh, he was promoting his new record, Walls and Bridges, I think. And he came in and he was playing a bunch of records and uh, he when they played ELO, I forget what the ELO song was, but he goes, oh, he goes, they left mm. up, they picked up where the Beatles left off. So he yeah. loved mm. that stuff. Just like, you know, oddly enough, Jeff Lynn was, you know. Yeah, yeah. in the wings, yeah. waiting in the wings. I, I was reading where, I can mark, you mentioned last week that um, there was supposed to be, there, at one point <clears throat> there was going to be an album with parts of the Stones and the Beatles and this and that. And Paul and Jagger were like, no. Nah. We, we're not gonna, yeah. we're not gonna do that, you know. Yeah, it wouldn't but work. We're, we're, Lennon yeah. would have done it, you know. Mm-hmm. Dylan, um, Dylan wanted to do a record with uh, both bands. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I where um, they were talking about the White Album. Uh, Ringo was talking about it, saying it's it, it's one of his favorite records. Yeah. And Lennon said it's it's Lennon's favorite Beatle record. He Lennon was cool. He goes, Sergeant Pepper goes, good concept because he thought some of the songs were kind of weak. The Warren, hmm. he's saying about the White Album. He goes, everyone did the best they could do and brought the best. And Paul thought George had too many songs on the white album. Whoa. Now, come on, man. I mean, yeah. Come on. 
bad, yeah, bad, bad. Really, bad. what did George have? Savoy Truffle. Great song. Piggies. Long, long, to- long, 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 long. While my guitar gently weeps. Piggies. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Um, so there's songs, three. Though. Yeah. Savoy Truffle is one of my favorite songs on the White Album. Great, great. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so a cool. double record. So why would Paul even say that? Because because he was threatened. He felt threatened. Yeah. George, yeah, George is he bringing knew these... George had some good songs up his sleeve. Well, yeah. the was uh, all things you know, must pass. I mean, yeah, it could have been number on that. nine, number nine. Like oh, he should yeah. have saved that for the fucking album with Yoko, man. Yeah. The so, uh, you know the um, two yeah. virgins. Leave so, save that shit for that, man. It's that funny, Perry. Stuff, you yeah. say that because somebody on Facebook that wanted to start fights a long time ago said, "What's a better double album, Electric Ladyland or the White Album?" And I said, "Electric Ladyland," and I got trounced on but the reason i said is i love the white album but mm-hmm. number nine yeah. number you had a filler song they could have put a george song on there filler yeah. song that thing is like eight minutes long yeah. <laughs> electric lady <laughs> land been, i always told lou i said there could have been another george harrison song yeah, on there two, or two or three, three, four. Yeah. yeah now the white album would have been a, a total masterpiece if they gotten rid of um number nine yeah even like obla di obla da Honey pie. No, that, that's that's a wings. great song, dude. I, I, I know, but I, I, I like don't, the I like the analog, the the, um, the, the, the anthology version. Yeah, I did. I did too. It's a, yeah. more of a straight ahead beat. Before You're right. it got produced like that. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. But um, even like um, don't pass me by. I mean, it's Ringo, but if they they put Where yeah. Darkness, um, but you got to give Ringo All a things song, must pass. You know, it, well. yeah. But if those three George Harrison songs would have been on that album in, in yeah, place of the yeah. filler, it would have been a masterpiece. Then it's I would have said the White Album. I would it's say considered it's a better their album. best album by a lot of people. Really. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think Revolver comes ac- across as the best overall. I think I think like, like for polling numbers for what that's worth, um, it's my I think it's the best Beatle record. Revolver, I do, because there's not a clunker on it. I was thinking about like before Rubber Soul, right? You know, they used to put forty fives out mm-hmm. that weren't on the album. Yeah, hmm. and they put out Paperback Rider, right? Mm-hmm. Rain. I think that was for Revo- and it was backed with rain, and that yeah. was for what rubber soul, right? I think so. Yeah. And then, before they did re- before they did Revolver, they released what was the one they uh, they had a single that they released that wasn't on the album. Maybe it was Paperback Rider Rain. Revolver. That uh, I don't know. that you know what I mean? Like this was, in other words, Rain before, came out about the same time. Yeah. Before sergeant pepper came out the first two mm-hmm. songs they recorded for sergeant pepper were um penny strawberry lane. fields forever and penny lane and double they're not on the album these are like fantastic yeah this is where their head was at at that time right they, they didn't have to put those on the album that, that's how amazing it was yeah. amazing yeah, yeah. and that's a double made... a side like you were saying like these are double a sides yeah. and it made it impossible for young kids like me like i wanted to get them on vinyl it was hard for me to get them on vinyl because I remember buying Sgt. Pepper thinking it was on it. I'm like, it's not on it. My sister had to explain how yeah. no, they had singles. Not yeah. until the CD format came. Then they had those singles, the two singles albums, the white right. and the black cover. Yeah, then you yeah, could get all yeah. those songs. You well, know? That, well those, are, those are the bad mixes with all like Lou, all the music on one side and all the vocals yeah. on one side. Yeah. Those like yeah. horrible stereo mixes. <laughs> that, kind, yeah. of, kind of like but, an old Van Halen album. That was Capitol. George Moore was not involved in that. That was Capitol doing that. Yeah. The funny thing yeah. was that they didn't they didn't have to put Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields on Sgt. Pepper. They didn't need it. So mm-hmm. eventually got to the point yeah. where they uh, record companies and bands needed those singles to push the album. Yep. So they put them on the album. You know, yeah. we were talking or about how many put... times 
how many times you left have you bought a cd i like three or four songs on it you know they, yeah, they didn't yeah. the quality they didn't have to worry about that yeah you know? yep damn now they didn't have find, to put find, paperback ride or rain on the yeah. record either yep. find me a flaw on penny lane oh my god it there is, is there isn't one it's there's, a flaw. there's no perfection it's perfection it is absolute it's, it's, perfection it's a yep. perfect diamond it, it's yeah just, what's wrong with that song nothing it's <laughs> nothing nothing it's, it's I mean, also and I to had me, the it's... 45. I remember playing it on a little record player, and it was probably mono, hmm. but you still heard oh, everything. It was just incredible. That yeah. song yeah. to me is up there with "You Say Yes." I mean, that's another, another one. Another one. There's another one. There's another one. Mark. There's yeah. Another one. Yeah. That's right. It ended up on some compilation or like on the tail end of Magical Yellow Mystery Submarine Tour or something. Or something. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. But that's that, that another 45. Yeah. Yeah. What all was the flip is, side of that? All you need is love. The flip side of "Hello Goodbye" is "All You Need Is Love." Oh, I don't know. I was just thinking. Oh, uh, Mark, as, can as you an, find a, out a further example? Yeah, absolutely. And What's the flip that, side of "Hello also, Goodbye"? Yeah, another but, you know, per- perfect pop song by McCartney. "All You Need Is Love" it was a satellite. There was satellite broadcast. That was friggin' big 67, time. Sixty-seven, I think. 67. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Late sixty-seven or whatever. Well, yep. I, wasn't that the summer of love? Wasn't that? The, that yeah, time? I guess so. You know yeah. what the B side of "Hello Goodbye" okay. was? No, what is it? Wait, don't tell me. I am the I am the walrus. Oh wow! Really? Holy shit! Yeah, wow. yeah, that's a great forty-five. That's a great fucking forty-five. Yeah. Wow! Now, see, I am the walrus might be my person, one of my personal favorite songs. Everyone has a personal favorite Beatles song. That is just it's pre heavy rock. It's pre grunge. It's yeah. almost grunge. It's, it's, it's almost like good. like you were just saying with like yeah. he can't write. Come on, take me to arms, rock me. Like he can't do that. He's got to write yellow matter custard. Yeah, and, you know. <laughs> but but the, the funny thing, he was funny, but he knew it. You know, he was he was lamenting the fact. He goes, hey, yeah. I want to write one of those songs." You know, I mean, well, she loved you. He, I mean, you know. Now but, you know, paperback young, writer. What were you saying, Mark? I said when I was young, anyone with a, I was amazed that with a distorted voice, you could do. Boop boop beat you in a distorted way. That was great. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Paperback writer. That's Paul McCartney on that guitar riff. Really? Really? That's Paul. Yeah, he wrote the song. Yeah. That's Paul. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yep. I heard that. On George was playing today. tambourine. Wow. Yeah. Played the tambourine. You dubbed, know. He dubbed the bass in afterwards because Jeff Emmerich. Jeff Emmerich was like their new engineer, and he had his Rickenbacker guitar. And Jeff Emmerich did something with a speaker where he re- reverse wired the speaker, and that became that became the new oh, wow, the bass, bass sound for Paul <clears throat> at that time. Yep. Wow. And a Ringer's Ringer's introductory introductory drum fill. It's weird. It drops in. Yes. 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 It's like it's a, it's like kind of a time sloppy defined. start. Like, are they going to keep it together? You get that? Yeah. Feeling, but but know? it. Yeah. Oh, we're talking. It what song fit. are we talking about now? Paperback Rider. Paperback Rider. We did it. We I did a trivia the a couple of months ago. I think of uh, you know where they were going, you know, like in the the back there. Yep, yep. Now I want to ask you guys something. I don't know how if you've heard it, but my complaint. If there's one Beatles album I complain about, I was never happy with Abbey Road. I thought it was clunky sounding, especially come together. I always felt Paul's bass was just too thuddy. Have you hmm. guys heard the Giles Martin remix? Is it any better? I didn't like, have a pro- I, I didn't have a problem with the original. I didn't have a problem with I the original did. either. I thought I it was, did. I thought I it was in, like Beach Boys Supreme man with yeah. Sun the, King and uh, I think I, I, the I, reason I had trouble with his bass is the same reason I had trouble with 
Roy Thomas Baker's drum sound. I think I just grew up with cheap speakers that distorted easily. Okay. <laughs> so I played I, it, you know, yeah. I, I, I think, think Sgt. So, Pepper's their shittiest sounding record. I, I did too, Perry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, think, audibly. As, yeah. I mean, it's brilliant, obviously. There, there's we some, know that. Yeah. There's brilliance on that record. I mean, my favorite filler is Good Morning, Good Morning. Mm, I, love I, love, I, lo- I love that song. I love that song. I love that song. song. Yeah. But, but you know, it, it begins but great and it does end great. Compression or something on it. I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. It just sounds know. thin Abby or Ro- tinny or something. Abbey Road coming after um, Let It Be is amazing because it's, it's, yeah. I think it sounds great. I never liked this one. I never liked the medley. I never liked Side 2 most of my life. Really? But I've come around. I'm like, I love it. It's a great album. I, I, as a Maxwell progressive Silver music Hammer. fan, yeah. I think it's like the first progressive long, sweet song. <laughs> I, I really do, huh. you know. Okay. Huh. I, um, good morning, good morning for me. The reason I like it is set 76, 77. I must have been like seven, eight years old. My father gave me a stereo. And WPLJ would play that around 8 o'clock in the morning on on weekends, right? And I would literally come out of bed, my hair sticking up, half asleep, put on my stereo. And I would hear that. Good morning, good morning. You know, and it was great. That's memories of childhood, you know. And also, the, the, the whole thing that was about childhood, you know, going by the old school, how's your boy been? Yeah. Um, I liked it because yeah. um, the... Didn't he say something about <laughs> breakfast cereal or something? Like, yes. Yeah, you got, off, you got something off, off a cornflakes box, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Ringo does that drop thing he does on also on Love Me yes. Do. Yep. It just hits a, the bass drum yeah. and the cymbal. It's just, it's so simple and yeah, it's so the, perfect. The, I mean, the record is great, but like as audibly, as far as the overall mm-hmm. sound goes, that's one I'm not too, uh, I hear too fond yeah. of. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the production yeah. on Abbey Road, I mean, I, I never had a problem. I thought it sounded clean. I think it still sounds good. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure what mixes I'm hearing on the radio, but I think it still sounds it sounds great today. I'm, I'm going to purchase the new release. I'm going to put mm-hmm. the money down, get it, and I'm going to see what I think is. A lot of people don't like Giles Martin's remixes, but I think they're just so traditional about hmm. you can't change it. I love what Giles did with the White Album. It almost was like I felt like I was hearing it for the first time. He really didn't play with the mix, but everything's fed through more modern equipment, kind of okay. like Steve Wilson does. It's yeah. remixed. I was okay with it, and I liked it. Um, it's getting slammed. He, That poor guy. I hmm. get it. He's got a little bit of an ego. He's George slammed. Martin's son. Giles Martin, anything he does with the Beatles, he gets totally slammed. But if you're going to trust anybody to take these... Well, I'm sure there's a lot of people who appreciate it, too. Me, I'm one of them. Every publication is not slamming him, I'm sure. I listened... um, My daughter bought me uh, the the White Album remixed, and it comes with the... um, Perry, what are those bootlegs called? The, uh, The demos. The Esther House or the... What was the Escher, uh, Escher demos Escher. at George's yeah. house, yeah. Right, so if you get the deluxe version remixed by Giles, you get a third disc with the those demos. I have it, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so I was listening to just the White Album, and I said, I'm here. It's like what my son-in-law said. And he, you hear it. It's like you're hearing it for the first time. You're just hearing it fresh. Yeah. It's not different. There's just something more fresh about the, it. The Escher demos, Glass Onion, is, is a great song. It's a yes. great version. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. So... Hey, guys, <clears throat> we're getting kind of long on time, but I just want to throw a five-minute roundtable at you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Perry, I mentioned this before the show, but Lou, have you heard the new Rolling Stone single? No. Anger? No? <clears throat> oh, no. you haven't. Okay. I was going to ask what you thought of it. Hmm. Perry, I haven't heard like it either. It? Tell me. Okay. Nope. Go listen to it. I think it's a wonderful pop song. I think that, once again, the Stones in their twilight have come up with a song with great hooks, great chords. 
Um, you'll like it. You can get it on Spotify. You can get it anywhere. Just it's look up. Anger. It's their bread and butter, man. Why don't you play um, it right now? Is Steve what? Jordan on drums? Uh, he's listed on drums, but it does sound like a drum machine Why to me. Give us a sample of it. I'm afraid to play any stones Ooh. on the show. Let's not. Why not? You know. 15 seconds. Ooh. No. <laughs> it's the no, end of we the don't show, move. man. We can we clip had, it. <laughs> we had a great show. <laughs> well, it's called Angry. After the show. Angry. Tell you Do what, it. Guys, do After it. the show, listen to the whole song. Next week, we'll revisit it. But what I like is the Stones have put out shitty singles like in the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. uh, you know, this song yeah. is just a great pop song. I love it. I love it. It's got the raw strat distorted sound. Hey, God bless them. They're still doing it at this point. In their yeah, career. of course. Of you course. don't have that's, Charlie Watts. That's Watch. what they do, man. That's, yeah. Yeah. that's them. I mean, you don't got Charlie. Well, they could have easily d- mailed it in with some kind of shitty song and it would have been the Stones. Yeah. So I'm going to buy the new album's called Hackney Diamonds. I'm going to I've already pre-ordered it. I'm just getting it because I want rock albums to sell. I want to show sales, so you know, I do my part. Yeah, you know, I hope it's a oh, good album. No, I, I, McCartney's on it. There's a there's some guest artists, right? McCartney's on it. I haven't heard much. that. <laughs> yeah. Um, How about, don't tell me the guy from the Foo Fighters is on it because I uh, will. <laughs> did, did Dave Grohl? Don't tell me that. <clears throat> that guy's on everything. He, he's, the amba- he's the ambassador of rock and roll now. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yep. He's I the, heard he's they. A, he's, he's the Google ambassador re- of rock and roll. He's probably going to take Jan Werner's place on the Rock and Roll Hall <laughs> well, of well, Fame good, committee. Good, good, good. <laughs> I heard they dug up the original manuscript for Beethoven's Speaking Night, of. and at the end there it says Dave Grohl on timpani. You know, he's just been everywhere, <laughs> man, um, with his there, big uh, neck. <laughs> there's a version of him and, and the Foo Fighters doing, I think it's Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. I great. saw that. It's, it's good. Really, yeah. It's really good. It's really good. Okay, so John, John, John Winter, okay, he got booted from – the board of uh, rock and roll hall of fame, uh, right. rock and roll hall yeah. fame yeah. because of the book he wrote called masters where he said basically it's all it's he's only interviewing white men his thing was that he's coming under he came under fire for not having any black artists or women on it um his justification was that he couldn't find anyone at the time that could articulate not that they didn't feel it or create the music they could not articulate an interview. Well, that's, that's the key that's word right the there. The key word. That's the insulting word. Yeah. That's the yeah. highfalutinous well, well, yeah. of John Wenner because he could have interviewed Aretha Franklin and he would have had a good interview. He could have interviewed Chrissy yeah. Hind. If he's looking for a woman in rock and roll, I think she could, I'm going to say she could say more about rock and roll as a philosophy, as a form, as an art, than maybe Madonna. Yeah. I think Madonna wouldn't talk about yeah. rock as a. Would Madonna go back to Little Richard? I I'm, I don't know, but no, I think no. I'm I'm promoting Chrissy High because I think Bob Dylan said the same thing. He goes, you know, women in rock shows, no one rocks hard, harder than her. She's, you know, yeah, <clears throat> she helped the level the playing and ground between men and cool. women as far as rock and roll. She's, and she's super fucking cool, cool, man. Yeah, yeah, and a great songwriter, guitar singer. I mean, she doesn't she doesn't have to prove anything to anybody, at least in, right. in my book. Yep. But I mean, he he could have interviewed her, I think. But you know, you know he was saying like could, Mar- Marvin Gaye's not alive. <clears throat> yeah yeah now he could have interviewed lucinda williams i've read interviews with her she's a great interview yeah, of subject. course yeah he well, could have been, and then if he wants to get in his high horse about oh highfalutin music lucinda williams would have satisfied that because she's yeah. great at what she does yeah. so i love what about what about I'm, prince i mean I, I think prince could probably say a shit ton or could have said a shit ton about rock and roll he was a rock hard and roll as a philosophy subject. as as the whole the landscape of rock and yeah. roll i mean he was a notoriously hard interview. He didn't, okay. he kind of, he was coy. He, he spoke to his music. He didn't really talk. So that well, may not have worked. But, but Lucinda yeah, Williams, like her father was a writer. Her father was a poet. <laughs> Lucinda's father. Yeah. yeah. Madonna, like you said, Lou, look, 
Madonna's would have been about, talk Madonna. about Link Ray. You know, like no, I, I know. Yeah. I, I, he, he was looking for a certain depth of history that maybe he wasn't finding, or the, or the, yeah. Maybe in his mind, I mean, I'm not defending his position either, but saying in his mind, like the black artists that he would have interviewed are, are not here. Marvin Gaye might have said a whole lot. Al Green, Wilson Pickett, Otis right. Redding. I mean, these guys. Could... So is that what he meant? <clears throat> and he was just misconstrued, and he got canceled for it. I, I, I mean, I. I would think Bing is no dummy. I I, think, when, he wrote, when he wrote the book, I think his intention, it seems to me, that he was trying to present a point of view about a certain philosophy. It's the philosophy of rock and roll. The thematic you know aspects of rock. If someone you know? his age also, right? What's that? If someone his age. Well, yeah. I mean, he's probably pushing 70, if not into his side. Here's, his, here's the problem with Jan, with Jan Wenner, and I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, Scott hates it. Scott McLean of Milk Crates and Turnables hates that I read Rolling Stone. Because they are kind of get on their high horse. They they always mm-hmm. from the get go they wanted rock and roll to be Shakespearean. Let's yeah. just say that whether it's a black artist or an early rock and roll artist, I mean mm-hmm. Malcolm Young is not going to give you the most intellectual discussion. No, rock and no. roll is not always intellectual. Pete Townsend's mm-hmm. intellectual. Um, John Lennon, uh, Steve Wilson. I had to throw that in there. Um, but they're intellectual. But then you got like ACDC, you've got Chuck Berry may not be the most intellectual, but he's rock and roll. Rock and roll yeah. inherently is not supposed to be intellectual. But what, right. what was the point of his book, though? Was his point his book was interviews like, you know, you're going to talk to Keith yeah. Richards. He go, guess I kiss love. Guess I kiss <laughs> like Keith Richards. Yeah. <laughs> you know well, what I mean? Like, well, yeah, so he, what is he the was point? looking for? He was looking for people that could actually talk the talk and not to detract with Chuck C. Chuck Berry wrote the songs that the intellectuals are talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where it's well, like that, he was looking, I think he was looking for people that could sit down for two hours and say, <clears throat> da, da, da. if you listen, if you look at the Rolling Stone Encyclopedia Rock and Roll, if you listen to what John Lennon talks about rock, he, John Lennon starts talking about the blues and he says, the blues is a chair. It's a chair for sitting in. These, they, that's why John Lennon couldn't write Bebop Alula. Gene yeah. Vincent probably yeah. may not be able to, Buddy Holly may not have been able to talk about the uh, intellectual properties of rock and roll, where he, I think he was looking for people that could go at length, like us. But it's a Jan <laughs> Werner. I mean, About, Jan you know, Werner. Obviously, well, I, he was a Lennon head. Yeah, he's on the he first, was a John Lennon friggin' fanatic, and a Dylan well, fanatic. Not? Couldn't stand Paul McCartney. Well, there mm-hmm. you go, Perry. You you just hit the nail on the head. The one knock on Rolling Stone is they had their favorites, and yeah, their right. favorites were yeah. very, elitist, very elitist. Yeah, um, yeah. And yep. and the thing is, like, so. When I was a teenager, I kind of like I they were championing Hail Hail Rock and Roll as a movie, and I bought it and I read the article yep. and it I kind of like cast it away only because they were turning Hail Hail Rock and Roll into some Shakespearean thing like some high no it's a rock and roll movie yeah don't have to get so you don't have to put these vernaculars mm-hmm. and long words and everything it's a mm-hmm. good rock and roll movie and because of that I didn't yeah. really care about the movie mm. luckily now I'm watching it and I'm like it's a great fucking movie so Rolling but, Stone in my teenage years ruined it for me with a lot of rock music but they made the Who better to me so well, it like I said who they like Lou said they were elitist there was no way that Paul McCartney's album Ram with Paul Linda Ram was going to get a positive review yeah. from Rolling Stone. Yeah. There's no yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. Even and though also, John Lennon made some shitty records, yeah. they kissed his ass. John, yeah. You know? Rolling Stone was a countercultural magazine when it first came out. Yeah. But they yeah. wanted yeah. to bring, yeah, of course, you know. They wanted to bring rock journalism to the heights of like, the New York Times and the York Washington Times, yeah, Post with politics too. So yeah. they, you know, Which and I always say, you know, me, like about it. I yeah. like their politics because they do investigate. 
But what I'm saying is of like course. they wanted to bring rock writing. And that's why Lester Bangs had his audience, because then you had Cream <clears throat> that wasn't trying to go for this high flute. And they were just going for this album sucks. This album is good. Like, that's what I want to read, you know. Mm -hmm. So it depends. Like, I'll read a 10 page Bruce Springsteen article in Rolling Stone and love it. But if you're going to write about speaking of Rolling Stone, yeah. Nirvana, I don't think I want to read a 10 page intellectual discussion on Nirvana because I know what Nirvana is. Yeah. I don't need to. You know, it depends on the artist. There's like no Perry, need. Like you said, right. they played their favorites. And that's the problem. They uh, yeah. ignored progressive music for the whole decade. Then they play backtrack and now they're going, oh, yes, we're a good band. No, you hated them yeah. when they came yeah. out. You know, so. Yeah. so anyway, Jan yeah. Werner uh, made a big mistake, huh? Just by. Uh, well, I, I think he made a we big, have to read big, what he's he made said. a big he made a big mistake out of a certain I think of a certain purity of intention. I don't think he meant yeah. to diss women. He didn't mean to diss black artists. I, 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 now, doubt, Rolling that. Stone I was, doubt that too. No, yeah. I, Rolling Stone was they didn't embrace hip hop, hip hop and, and rap right away. Now, yeah. me as an artist and a musician, I'm not a big hip hop or rap fan. I don't disparage it by any means. No, it's Correct. expression. It's, it's wonderful things for yeah. the African American yeah. community yeah. and everything else. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just as a sound, it never appealed to me. But right. maybe that was his reason for not. He didn't get it. You know, in some ways, I don't get it. But well, I don't that was the changing of the guard. You had yeah, the seventies sure. staff. Then their sales plummeted. So they had to change. They had to get a new staff. Right. John, John right. Winter. They probably they, have a hip-hop department now. Yeah. And, you, you know, you know and, what I hate? I hate an apology you have to make when you really don't have to make an apology. Yeah. yeah. Have you, you know, I want to read. I'm going to order the book, and I, I do want to read it. And I want to see exactly what he said because we're yeah. talking about none of us know exactly what he said. So we should find out, you know, like exactly what was said. And find out if it's just cancel or if it was something. Yeah, One thing about I'm Jan sure Jan Werner. I mean, I'm not a fan of his, but he is not a racist or a bigot no, or, or. But he does have a simple... big mouth. He does have a big mouth, and he talks <laughs> well, like a big ego to match. Wow, you know, like yeah. he was on. Um, Rolling, he found a Rolling Stone to America. <laughs> he was he was on. Um, where did I see him interviewed? Um, oh, fucking. Uh, 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 oh shit! One of the podcasts. And I'm like, this guy's got a big fucking mouth. Like, he can't yeah. shut up. Like, yeah. not bad, but like his opinion would come out before he could think. But then again, look what he's done. He's Rolling Stone, so he's got an ego, you know? Yeah, of course yeah. he does. And who was on the first edition of Rolling Stone, right? Jo Jack no. Lemon. John Lemon from the Beatles. <laughs> Jock Lemon, <clears throat> who also had a big ego. Come on. We saw, we, saw, we, saw, we saw Get Back, you know, <laughs> Glenn, John, Glenn John's producer of Magnitude. Yeah. Tries to inter intervene, they're like, fuck off. You know, <laughs> let's, let's talk about egos. I mean, come on. We all, everyone, everyone has I'm, an ego. Yeah. You know? I'm going to get the book. I do want to read it. I'm going to get his book and I'm going to read it, but you got to give me a month and then I'll, I'll see. Why what are you going to get his book? I, You're going to give him more money than he, he friggin' has? I, I, mean, I honestly, it might be a great read. I want to read it. I could read it I mean, online too. For, for, um, for, no, but we got to support books. We got to support books. They're going away. But, you know, it's like, for what it's worth, I was always a Rolling Stone guy. I, as much as I hate him, I have the same relationship with Rolling Stone as I have with Bill Maher. I disagree with half of what Bill Maher says, but I love the guy. I disagree with probably 60% of what Rolling Stone says, but I still love the magazine. Because even though now they're doing a lot more hip hop, they still cover rock and roll. There's just not. We got to remember, yeah. guys. We got all got to remember rock well, and roll. Yeah. It's like popular. I said, I'm not a fan of Jan Werner, but, but I'll defend the guy. It, my thing is, you know? rock and roll, the music industry doesn't want to push it. So it's in danger. Rock and roll has yes, to leave. You know, I thought you were frozen. You, you were frozen in time. <laughs> Did he really? Not over here. You were frozen somewhere in time, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> you ever seen uh, that Christopher uh, look, Reeve movie, Somewhere in Time? 
great movie. Great book. Isn't he, isn't he the drummer movie. for Al Stewart? Yes. Yes. But just oh, yeah. sausages. Listen, well, rock, I'm rock say and roll my is final dying. Thing. You know why? You can't. My theory is you can't be too well bred and make really good rock and roll. Genesis. I, good point. Yeah. Genesis, where they were prep school boys. I mean, they made rock and roll, but there was, you know, it was nothing like prog rock. But the Rolling Stones, you know. They're they're the sex pills. They're dirt bags. You know, there's got to be a little. Here, here's, there's got to be something on the dirty side of the curve to make real rock and roll. Here's it's, something that's that very sophisticated spoke, and well bred. Here's something that spoke volumes to me. <clears throat> there's a great book called "Won't Get Fooled Again" about the Who. It's a great book. And in the first chapter, you read about the guys growing up. And the first thing I noticed, and I was a teenager when I read it, Roger Daltrey was growing up in post World War II England. He remembers seeing buildings in rubble, eating bread sure, you know whatever yeah, they could get yeah. that created rock and roll then yeah. you got like and i'm not well, knocking that created rock and roll what are you talking yeah, about not because rock and roll in america was chuck berry he didn't come from a gilded background you had no. roger daltrey you had the kinks you had these english bands now i'm not knocking bands of guys that grew up in suburbia but of course, like, yeah no. it's like you got these bands you can hear like it they, you yeah, it. it's not it an music. edge. There's not an edge. It may be good songwriters, but there's not an edge. The Who had an edge. The Kinks had an edge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Chuck Berry had an edge. Jerry Lee Lewis had an edge. Yeah, well, these maybe guys it's a had, working that's class thing. Maybe it's a blue collar thing, like it Lewis Brewski. You know, <laughs> Society Hill, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's you know it's it's that's a class warfare song, really, or a class struggle yeah. song. It's, it's no working class leftist. hero. I mean, John Lennon wrote <laughs> "Working Class Hero." I mean. You know, John Lennon yeah. was the most middle class yeah, of the Beatles. He wrote it in Tittenhurst Park. <laughs> he, yeah. he did it on his white piano, yeah. his white grand piano. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Elvis Costello has a song one. called "The Other Other Side of Summer." It's about the opposite of the suntan ads. It's about the girl that doesn't feel good in the bathing suit. It's about people who are self conscious. But he, he rips David Bowie, he rips John Lennon and Madonna and Sting. Uh, he says, "You know, was it a millionaire who said, imagine no possession?'" A poor yeah. little schoolboy who said, we don't need no lessons. Roger Waters. Yeah, interesting. The rabid yeah. rebel dogs rip up the shampoo shop. The pop princess is downtown shooting up. Wow. Wow. So, Good lyrics. Yeah. Cool. It, it, that's, that's, that's from um, album Mighty Like a Rose, uh, early 90s. Yes. Produced by Mitchell Froome. Remember him? Yes. Yeah. He was one of those, I don't know, he was one of those dudes he was a produ- like in status quo. Or, he was a no, producer he was in, uh, in the 90s. He was a producer du jour in the 90s. Yeah, he produced, but he was in a that, big band, though. He was in a big English he band. He was. Yeah. You're right, yeah. he was. Yeah. yeah. And um, I'll throw something in the uh, really Spandau wild. Ballet that. or somebody like Mitchell that. Mitchell Froome went on to produce, produce a Pat Metheny record and play with Pat Metheny. No this shit. guy okay. is amazing. Yeah, he's, he, he, he has a background. He's a keyboardist, I think. Yep. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, Mighty Like a Rose, that Elvis Costello record, has got some great Paul McCartney compositions on it. Um, song called So Like Candy. It's a great. So that was song, around. Right? That was probably around the same time that that he 91. contributed to "Flowers in the Dirt" from Paul McCartney. Yeah, Paul McCartney's album. Yes. Yeah, they were yes, going he, back yes, in there. And Paul said their relationship was too good; he had to end it. It was too much like Lennon. It was like, like Lennon yeah. McCartney. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Elvis Elvis spits out vitriolic lyrics. Paul's so melodic; he's just preposterous. You know. Yep. Um, so, some of the bass playing on it is amazing, though. Uh, the song "Sound Like Candy," if you ever hear it, it's got Jim Keltner on drums, by the way. Can't oh, go wrong. Wait, we gotta do it. <laughs> yeah. Jim there. Uh, anyway, guys, we uh we've overreached the two hour mark. We always it's do. past our bedtimes. We're old. Well, I could I think I could roll some credits. 
But I'd uh, love tomorrow. to see I some tomorrow off. I've got Italian beef in the crock pot. Of course, we like to uh, we like to acknowledge friends of ours, right? And uh, Scott McLean of Milk Crates and Turntables and Jack Calabrese. Jack Calabrese, Milk Crates <laughs> and Turntables. Jack? Where's, Where's Jack? Jack? Cool podcast. I I was recommended uh, whatever uh, whatever um, AI recommends it recommended an episode to me, and it was like one of their first ones. And you know, Scott was telling Jack, "Well, you know, if you're not here next week, I'll do the show by myself." And you know, it's good. <laughs> like, it, was, it was such an old episode. But it was great, you know, the stories they were telling and everything on there. Yep. Those two. And to people listening, if you have not heard Milk Crates and Turntables, check out, you know, when me and Lou are on, it's it's okay. But no, the episodes okay. when Come Jack on. and there's Scott. There's a more credit to, though. Jack and Scott. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> self-deprecating. Jack, Jack and Scott yeah. have a. These guys have a chemistry. You mm-hmm. think they hate each other when you first see it, but they're just great friends. They well, love each other. A, it's it's a great yeah. show, and it's it's mm-hmm. the reason we actually have a podcast is because exactly. of uh, milk crates and turntables. And I just still remember Perry calling me up one day. Have you heard this milk crates and turntables? <laughs> fucking great. Well, so I turned it on. I was hooked. I was just hooked. Let's, let's roll some Instantly. closing credits and. Uh, <clears throat> We'll see where we go from there. Oh, oh yeah, their opening theme. There we go. Lou and Tom. on Tom Griffin, right? Yep. And uh, I think we have an availability uh, thing, Mark, if you want to take this next one. Okay, the Music Relish Show can be found on Apple, Google Apple, Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Amazon, Amazon Alexa, Pocket Casts, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook when it's updated, Overcast, Podchaser, Podcast Addict, and Odyssey? It's Audacity? Odyssey. 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 Okay. Now, if anyone has a complaint about Facebook, Mark, if anyone has a complaint about the Facebook page, the guy that has the long hair can be yelled at. Okay? Because he gets, he drinks his wine after work. Um, Let me say it again slower. Podball. Google Podcasts. (laughs) I'm doing my Welcome Casey case. Welcome to I'm the sorry. Music Relish Show. <laughs> I'm the only person that gets quicker after wine, not slower. Most people get slower. Yeah, really? <laughs> so, you know like what I sound subscribe. like? Lou? I sound like Lou on the old telephone show. <laughs> Before we go to the closing credits, Marty let me Scorsese. play this weird friggin' thing again. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Ray Liotta. He's got no time. <laughs> Wait, is she saying Lulu, Lulu, Lu? She's saying Lu. Oh my God, I just noticed that. That's horrible. Harry, <laughs> will you stop it? God, I'm Creepy. having nightmares tonight. You're scaring the children. It's done. Well, anyway. <laughs> I think I broke my glasses, guys. <laughs> look at that nerd tape. Mark, Mark, like I'm, I'm, nerds, wearing, man. I'm wearing my old old pairs, but I broke my other ones, so I can't see shit. Uh, bummer. <laughs> Sat on them? <clears throat> no, they just disintegrated. <clears throat> and I'm here to say it's okay to drink wine from a scotch glass. That's right. It's wine o'clock somewhere, Mark. That's right. The vessel does not matter. Uh, this song is called Asheville Skyline, as recorded by Mark Smith, Perry Dedovich, and Luke Lecan. Bunting song. Are we gonna have a fake ending where we get to curse and swear and thinking that we're not this being recorded like last it. week? I'm gonna right. after the song is over, I'm gonna hit stop. Hopefully it works this time. Well, we I, hope really want it. I hope these we bastards had the enough audience. of us for a night. No, the God. audience would want wouldn't want to hear how we fight, you know. 
that's hey, for what sure. show was this anyway? You said this was Music Relish Show number 43? 43. Yep. 43 big ones. Recorded on September 17th, 2023, starting at 7.45 in the evening. No, 7 in the evening. And, I, you know, we have a, a two-year anniversary coming up. Yes. November yeah. 4th. November, right? Election Day. I think I'm going to buy some Maker's Mark for that one. Nice. Well, uh, actually, November 4th is a Saturday, so the, our November 5th show will be our really our, our two-year two anniversary Two-year anniversary. Two-year nice. anniversary of the whole thing, actually, the whole, the whole show, including the... Including the 30 from the, from the cell phone. Right. So this is actually right. our 73rd podcast. <laughs> and I started doing the show with you guys when I just moved into this apartment, so it was like a big, oh, really? new beginning for me, nice. yeah. You're, you're an upper floor, right? Yeah, I'm all, I'm all by myself on the third floor. That's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah, yep. got a music room up there. If yep. you're gonna live in an apartment, it's got to be a place where you can do what you got to do. You got to be able to do your kids. Split level apartment. Split level. That's, that's your the keyword. Pop. Yeah. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>